Choose life. Choose a job. Choose a career. Choose a family. Choose a fucking big television. Choose washing machines, cars, compact displays, and electrical tin openers. Choose good health, low cholesterol, dental insurance. Choose fixed interest mortgage repayments. Choose a starter home. Choose your friends. Choose leisure wear and matching luggage. Choose a three-piece suit on higher purchase in a, high, in a range of fucking fabrics. Choose DIY and wondering who the fuck you are on Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch watching mind-numbing, spirit-crushing game shows, stuffing fucking junk food into your mouth. Choose rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in a miserable home. Nothing more than embarrassment to the selfish, fucked-up brats you spawned to replace yourselves. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I choose not to choose life. I choose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got podcasts? Now, w- when I was on line two, you started nodding because I had McGregor down. Um, it was hard to maintain. I'm not going to say you had him down, but I was, I was impressed that you were in the ballpark. I was in the ballpark. And then very quickly it was gone. It's a lot. And then it kind of came back at the end. A little bit. I recovered it at the end. Choose life. I, I can't choose do it. Life. I, I cho- choose life. Choose life. I can't, I can't do this with Irish accent. Little Colin Farrell. Little Colin sure, Farrell. Sure, Irish, yeah. obviously. But there's that boyish quality to his voice that he still has. Still has it. Yeah. That's why Hello There is funny. Hello There. Because when he says Hello There in Star Wars, yeah. he is, that line, uh, Alec Guinness says that, yes. right? Right. And so clearly they're like, ah, oh, it's no, you know, we're referencing. But the way he says it, you're like, he's like a little kid, like, yes. you know, picking someone up at school. Hello there, you know. It is also we we did uh, Doctor Sleep on the on the Patreon feed paywalled True. recently. Uh, we talked about uh, UN for a while there. Watching this movie, it is just incredible how he has aged. He's always he's beautiful. You mean that he's a good looking man? Yeah, and it, but it's just basically just he looks exactly the same, just yeah. with some added wisdom. Well, he's had good work. He's had some good work. He's I would one also, of those guys I mean, where he, it's like he's, he's like you he's know, had a little hair thirty pounds man. heavier than he is in this movie, but that's that's intentional. Sure. Okay. So this is what we were talking about. Don't ever point at me. I'm sorry. Root to point. My mother. My mother used to tell me I would get slapped for the way I pointed at people. Did when you? I was a child. No. No one ever did. Never. Well, <laughs> your mother was a fucking liar. <laughs> well, she probably scared me off doing it. Can I say what I thought you? Were, I thought you were gonna go. I'm, I'm not gonna do the whole thing, but I thought you were gonna go choose podcast, choose a podcast, choose a podcast, choose oh. a fucking big podcast. I wondered if you podcast, would do that podcast. too. That's actually. I won't do it all. That's no, a better podcast. That's fucking funny. I thought yeah. you were gonna do it. I, had, wow. I literally had it all written down wow. in case you were. Wow, do it. you had done that. Wow. Yeah. When you were doing it, uh huh. I was sort of like, oh, he's not doing that. But then I forgot, of course, there is that killer final line of, you know, I've got heroin. That's right. the thing. You know, and that, right. does, that does fit. Yeah. So I think you did good. Yeah. Podcasting, the modern heroin. hmm We've covered 10 Ewan McGregor films on the podcast, but if you, you, know, if you don't count uh, Star Wars, we've only done Big Fish, Birds of Prey, and on the special features, Doctor Sleep. Okay. Right. Big Fish is really the only... McGregor Pratt. Big Ewan movie we've done on the main feed Which you before. don't like him in that. You're very anti that performance. I'm very anti that performance. You have said. I thought it was Crudup who I was. Crudup was the Crudup one I was launching well, missiles at in that You've episode. said horrible <laughs> things to me in private about Ewan McGregor's performance in Big Fish. <laughs> I've, oh, wait, Scandalous what? things. Scandalous things? Things that would make your mother tell someone to slap you. <laughs> I don't think. I think that when he does that American G-Wiz yeah. thing, I'm always kind of like... Okay. You know, like, that's hey, not, that's not. About Down With Love? Well, I do love him in Down With Love. Thank you. Catcher Block. Catcher Block. 
Gash Block's great, but you know, but he's not. But that, but that's a, he's playing a cynical character there. Oh, he's it's a like, cad. Yeah, like yeah. I, I more mean when he was being a boyish baby-faced boy in American accents. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's I get what you're like, saying. Eh. Yeah, but I think that's the good one. I think that's the right context. He's good. He's he's handsome. He's a handsome man. He's a star. I'll, I'll follow. Oh my he's, god, one hundred percent. I'll follow him wherever he wants me to go. That's the thing with him. We had this conversation with our buddy Alex Ross Perry when we were doing Clockwork Orange about like how many very actors. Very similar movie. Very similar movie, yes. But also how just like uh, most actors who worked with Kubrick, the Kubrick film is the thing that will be in their obituary. Like he gave people their definitive role and their definitive project. Right. Although he was wrong about Barry Lyndon and we should have challenged that on the podcast. Love Story or Paper Moon, you think? I think it's Love Story or, yeah. or Paper Moon. I Maybe think both of those have a Tatum bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, we we always you're never left with more regrets about what you should have challenged than after an Alex Ross Perry podcast. But you got to let him go when he's going. <laughs> McGregor will never give a performance more definitive than this, right? Like I'm whether or not it's his best performance. Yeah, that's true. And it, sometimes with guys like this, it's like, well, if that's the thing, they come out of the gate. Everyone meets them on this movie. It's hard to overcome. But it just feels like this is the crystallization of everything. Mm-hmm. I think he's done a lot of great work. I think he has probably a lot of great work ahead of him. This will be mm-hmm. his eulogy. I think all more than Star Wars. I think that in the United Kingdom, there's no doubt that that is true. Uh-huh. I think in America, it'd be fucking Star Wars these really? days. I think so. I mean, he's had, a, more weird, he's had a weird ill of America but. career, though. I don't he's know. Had he's had a weird, he hasn't had, had, had like. I think Moulin Rouge is the other movie that might be at the top of that's the true. list for both. Probably countries. for the U.S. Probably yeah. people think of Moulin Rouge. I don't know though. When I looked up this movie, this was playing on Cinemax Encore. Like, right. yeah. I feel like this is like a mainstay for oh, like, yeah, being it's a played big movie. on premium, yes. you know, cable channels. It's incredible. I love this movie so much. We're going to talk about you in a lot on this miniseries. Yes. You love this movie so much? So much. Me too. So much. Um, but I just wonder if it's like, is. Uh, is this more ubiquitous in Britain than it is here? Like, has this become more of a weird artifact in America? I want to say this. What? This is a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm, I'm David. David. Wow. Yeah. Fuck Charles. Fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Taking me yeah. to the paint. You gotta be Charles today, David. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. It's like, uh, you know, work the bag. Yeah. Like, it'll, it'll wake me up. You're not gonna like it. No, no, I'll love it. It's a podcast about filmographies. Directors who experienced massive success early on in their careers, such as making a movie like Train Spotting that cost $1.5 million and made like $90 million worldwide. Yeah, 80, I think. Yeah, okay. Around there. Yeah. Um, and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce. Baby, this is a mini series on the films of Danny Boyle. Now, this is his second movie. True. This is the first one we are recording chronologically. True. Which means you need to. Way on on this on mic right now. Yes, I'm ready. I, you you threw out a name that on seemed November seventh. Right. Yeah, I wrote. I just texted to the blank check group text, with no further comment. Trains podcasting. Wait, was that what I thought was good? And then I wrote, "It's either that or Slum Pod Million Cast." <laughs> yeah. And then my third text was "28 podcasts later." Dot dot dot. And your response was Tuesday, November 8th, anyone want bagels? (laughs) (laughs) 
The next well, morning, did anyone? I wrote absolutely, there and you, you got go. bagels, and I thank you there for you that. Go. But the point is, it's it's been over a month, and you never weighed in. I think it's train. Wait, say it again. Train spodcasting. Train spodcasting. I think thank it's you. that. Here's I think why. It's good. Yeah. One, it's silly. Yeah. Two, I just want the art. To yes. be Clean. the train, the train spotting poster oh, of art. Course. Well, of course, it has to be. Of so, course, like, and yes. I don't want it to be the Slumdog Millionaire poster, which, beyond the fact that it's a movie starring non-white people, which yes. is nice, it's kind of a bad poster. It's a bad poster. So, like, you know, fuck that. Yeah. And what was the other one? Twenty. You know, Twenty-eight days later, that's just like right. red and glowing eyes. Like, that's kind of boring. Yeah. And also, that's just kind of boring. Yeah. Twenty-eight podcasts right. later. Trains podcast. Trains podcasting. Oof, it's not rolling off the train spot. I, I think it's that's, rumbling I think that's what's into the station. It. Exactly. The fact yeah. that it's impossible. It's a little squeaky. Train spot casting. 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 Yeah. Train spot casting. <laughs> Today we're talking about the titular, the, the titular uh, film of this miniseries. Correct. Danny Boyle's Train Spotting, his yes. 1996 British black comedy. I suppose. One of the most important films of the 90s. One could argue. A definitive film of the 90s, especially in the UK. Our guest today returned to the show after far too long. True. Creator of Search Party. Hmm. Co-creator of Search Party. No, just creator. (laughs) Taking it for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Charles Rogers. Thank you for having me. I really... Hi, Charles. I'm so honored to have been picked for such a seminal movie. I really... When you offered... The list to me, I was like, well, train spotting is my number one, but like you you're gonna get like Lin Manuel Miranda. You're gonna get one of your big kahuna guests. What if Lin Manuel Miranda attempted a train spotting well, who would it be? stage would adaptation? It be? You'd get some famous Scottish person. A famous Scot. I don't know enough famous Scots. No, who would more be? fool me? Yeah. I don't have enough Scots in my life. More fool you? Yeah. You would get Danny Boyle. <laughs> Hey, one. Danny, what's your favorite Danny Boyle movie? Oh, Train spotting's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. I just, after, after Mixed Nuts, I really was like, I'm going to have like a how did this get made relationship no, to no. the, the, Look, the movies that I get invited to. We like to. to mix up sometimes, but we... Uh, I don't know. I think Griff was like, Charles likes train spotting. And I was like, Charles is perfect for train spotting. Yeah, no questions good. asked. It felt Same good. Time. It felt clean. Yeah. Now, we were talking right before this about uh, uh, trying to get hot. All, all three of us were mm-hmm. relating our struggles of wanting to get hot. While eating uh, Little Caesars. <laughs> David Charles ordered Little Caesars. Caesars. I didn't touch that. It, it tastes... <laughs> I also didn't touch it for the record. Ben and it's I are getting hot. liquid gold. Sometimes it's I so think good. I want to get hot, and then I eat something like Little Caesars pizza, and I'm like, why would I ever give this up? I'm not sponsored by Little Caesars. I simply picked it up with my own two hands well, let's and say this, brought it into the studio. A lot of slots just opened up for 2023. <laughs> If Little Caesars wants to jump in. Oh, yeah, that's true. We could become Little Caesars presents blank check. The point is, we were talking about this, and you were, uh, Charles, you were talking about a friend of yours who uh, was hot and then got even more hot, and then it turned yeah. out. He had, what? You can finish it. He, he had worms. He had uh, He had a lot of worms. He had a type right. worm. He had a lot right. of worms. A lot of them. Right. Yeah. Uh, and this thing of just, uh, oh, the people who uh, who look the most hot often something horribly unhealthy is going yeah. on, whether deliberate or unconsciously. I like the characters in this movie. I was going to say, it is it is upsetting how much I kept thinking to myself how good these fucking guys look. It, it is. It's two things. One, it's the vintage thing. Absolutely. And two, it's the fact that they're, they're all hot in the movie, yeah. but they're also all still hot. Yeah. And so there's yes. this thrill to seeing them young. To seeing all these, you know, Kelly McDonald and Ewan McGregor and yeah, yeah. Johnny Lee when Miller, he's like naked, he he has no fat. Like there on his it, abs, it, there's nothing. When he bends nothing. over, he it's those tiny. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For this to this movie. day, I mean, I'm no longer like you know when 
I was like a twink. I mm. was like into skinny other twinky boys, and now I'm not that much. You know, it's not. I love Congrats. all types of people now. Very, um, very cool. Huge. <laughs> Or just <laughs> just men, really. <laughs> yeah, all types of men. People. Let's not get crazy. Yeah. Um, but then, like rewatching this movie, I'm like, this is still the pinnacle. And this movie has a very coming out origin story for me because I had the train spotting poster on my dorm. Mm. Yeah. And the, they're these, the like classic, the classic this, one that everybody has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, nice yeah. orange one. Yeah. And I had it on my wall. And these two girls that I met in orientation, Rachel Carlson and Electra Yao. In hindsight, okay. Shut up. both probably. Yeah, Rachel, if you're out there, I miss you. <laughs> if you're around. Um, and they both, in hindsight, they were like, I think both after me. And I just didn't realize that. And they awesome. came back to my dorm and they saw the poster and they were like, he's so hot in this. And it was the first week of college. And I made the choice to be like, he is. And I had never, ever. Sure, you were, you were I comfortable was like, being he like. Is. And yeah, then I was yeah. like, I can't believe I just did that. And then like two days later, they were like, so are you gay? And I was like. I am, <laughs> and that was, and then that was it. There was no turning back. So it was, it was the soft opening. So it's you, yeah. it's yeah. you, and specifically that you were agreeing. Everyone was agreeing, or it they was, are, they're all. I mean, even it'd be funny if they were pointing to like Robert Carlyle, like if he was the one. <laughs> he is though. Oh, I he mean, is. He's, I mean, he's everyone looks good. He's yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. in this movie. Yeah, he's, he's a got pretty that guy in general. He's got those cheeks, pointy little pretty nose yeah, yeah, <laughs> in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. But or were you just kind of like? I mean, Ewan. I mean, Ewan. 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 Ewan is Ewan McGregor. It's unparalleled. There is no one who is as hot in that way ever he, since. He's Robert very Gunn. beautiful, I would say, beyond being but hot. He doesn't he's a, look like anyone else, yeah, and he doesn't like. look like any other attractive person. If that makes sense. No, no, no. 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 Apart from his little dimpled chin, yeah. which is very cute and very like old Hollywood. Sure, he does. You're right. He doesn't have like a. It's not like. Oh, he's like a blah type, like you know, like yeah, you know, yeah. like I don't like, know, someone, some actor. I remember as as a, a dumb as a dumb little straight boy. I would not understand when women would say, or girls my age would say, that someone was attractive who did not look like the the Thirty Rock joke, a cartoon mm -hmm. astronaut or whatever, right? right sure. I'd be like, well, I understand what a handsome man looks like: squarish jaw, sure, yeah, thin looks like nose, Superman. Blue right. Yes, I was like, I understand Superman is attractive <laughs> conventionally to women. I don't understand, and people would say that about Ewan McGregor, and I'd be like, he's kind of goofy looking, yeah, because he he doesn't, he's not conventionally pretty. No, I would, but he's got the same... He's got the another... I totally get orange. it now. He's hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But the he's Malcolm got McDowell. the Malcolm McDowell's... That's a good The comp. same Rapscallion swag. Yes. It's that same. And also Robert Pattinson, Pattinson in Good Time. Similar. Oh, sure. sure. That's it. Like, Pattinson that little, is like, so... Hands. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. always that. And like Jude Law, who is, I would say, the sort of another pr very pretty Brit mm -hmm. who emerges a little after you and just mm -hmm. a little. Hello. He's similarly, you're like, yes, I get that. That guy looks yeah. like yeah. he's from a 30s movie. Like, yeah, right. he's very, very pretty, very right. handsome. But yeah, Ewan's a little different. It's mm -hmm. also scraggly. You compare like McDowell he's still hot, and Pattinson. Obviously. They're both scary in those movies, yeah. right? Yeah. Like Pattinson, obviously, is in good time he's choosing scary. to invoke mm -hmm. that. Yeah. McDowell, even when he was at his prettiest, there was something oh, yeah. menacing. And McDowell totally, never played totally. a guy who was so like just like a chill, normal guy. Right. Like if yeah. Malcolm McDowell was like, "Hey, how you doing?" and smiled at me, I'd be like, "What the fuck do you <laughs> yeah. want with me?" I think it's the. I'll give you my money. It's okay. <laughs> the secret to the success of this yeah, you movie. Probably needs there's there's something innately sweet about McGregor. It's the Danny Boyle magic. Yeah. It's, it's, this is, But also just you know, him as a performer. It's good, like, no, it's no, why but, you yeah. need him at the center. But good call. Danny Boyle, sentimental streak. Yes. Very crucial. 
to train spotting success. Yeah. But but you and Bremer played Bremner, yep. Bremner played uh Rant Boy on stage he when sure they did this as a play. He, he played he played yeah, Rant yeah, yeah. Rant, 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 Rant Boy. Right, 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 right. I am Although sure they don't really say it. That is a fantastic performance that he gave, right? Sure. But you watch this, he's so good at Spud. Amazing. He's he's an well, incredible he's, character he's, actor. He Amazing. looks like a, a wounded deer or whatever. He's so sweet, you yeah. know. You, you feel like, for him. I cannot imagine this movie working with those two guys flipped no. as a movie. Yeah, he could play Renton on stage. I could see you in playing Spud. I don't know if it would work, but I guess you would just play him as the sort of innocent. Yeah, I, I guess I could see that. It's hard to imagine. I think that probably the stage play had a different, a slightly different tone or something. Yes, it was sure. just like a little bit more of like a. I bet it was a little ickier. There's no vibe to the research where it's like Ewan Rebner was like, that's my role. And he t- he's not fucking Jimmy no. Conway No, no, no. He was like, I was really appreciative yeah, that they gave me a good part. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think he like fully understood like, no, no you not need- Jimmy. Jimmy Conway is fucking the Goodfellas character. <laughs> Come on. Jeff Conway. Is that his name? Oh, for Jeff Greece? Conway. You know, like he was, yes. he played Danny. Uh, Danny on Broadway and then he was connected. Oh, okay. Yes. And he's right, like no. looking at Travolta being like, you stole my part, you fucker. Right. And then you watch Jeff Conway on the first season of Taxi and right. he is straight up doing Travolta. It's clear that like it broke him. Right. right. He's like, that must hey, be what I have to do. Riga, come on. It's that kind of thing. But no, I, I think Bremer, Bremer seems to say like, I got it completely yeah that i didn't have the innate sort of weird quality that you needed for this to work as a movie mm-hmm. and i was very happy to play spud i kept on i watched all the special features uh which are preserved on itunes now from what was that. a pretty good dvd uh, at the time but they talk a lot about the book is so sort of like shortcutsy mm-hmm. And that it's just all these vignettes yes, and right. it scatters across right. the it's, characters It's fairly more. plotless, yeah. Right. And, and I think the play was maybe a little more like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was like Boyle's like first big decision is like, we're turning this into a 90-minute This is going to be a digestible movie. commercial film. Yes. Right. Which, which uh, Irvin Welsh appreciated. And, and because yes. of that, everything kind of has to be from, from Renton's yeah. point he, of view. He'll be the main mm-hmm. character. Right. Right. It, right. it was just more ensemble. He's the line. He, well, right. it's, in the book, he is the most sympathetic character. He's right. like, all these people suck, and I don't know why I'm doing this, but right. I do love heroin. Mm, yeah. So good. Num, num, num. But like, so like in the book, if you're reading the book, you're like, well, Renton is kind of the only remotely sympathetic character here. Yes. Spud is kind of sympathetic, but he's sort of stupid. But Spud, I would argue, Tommy only becomes... Tommy is tragic. Yes. Tragic, yeah. Spud becomes sympathetic, I think, because of Bremner's performance. A little bit. In the hands of a different actor, right. I don't know if he lands that right. way. Right. In, in the That's book, true. he's just an innocent. It's yeah. like, he's like just... You feel bad for him. Spud could have been more yes. chaotic. And you could see him being so stupid that you can't even relate to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Ben? Well, I was just going to say that they, in the book, they jump around from different perspectives. Right. So there's different characters speaking. Ben, did you like this book? Yeah. It's a real <laughs> yeah. Bad book. So this oh, yeah. book, I, we have a lot to I had the. I also had the uh, poster, but I had the um, Choose Life. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. monologue yeah. poster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I tried to uh, okay. Show, I bought the I'll book and then I was yeah, like, yeah, I actually don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, pretty cool, well. pretty cool, pretty cool. I bought the book. I you know, like every other book in my life, I didn't read it, <laughs> and then I I downloaded the Audible, and I, it was just like so thick the accent. I was like, I I actually don't think I can do twelve hours of this. <laughs> like, I, I wonder just, who read the audio. I couldn't book. do it. There's uh, one of the insane things on the DVD. There's a lot of interviews from the con party for this movie. 
The Cannes Film Festival. Oh, can, right, of course. Can, right, sure. No, 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 you're right, you're right. Cannes Film Festival. I think this movie comes out in the spring, so when it's playing at, at it came out. So it came out in February in the UK. Right. Then it played out of competition at yes. Cannes, and then it came out in America in the summertime. Right. So, so like Cannes sort of helped build up. The Cannes so, party yeah. is like this film has fully They're succeeded already, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a phenomenon, and now we want to take on the world. The the, the question is, can you take this? Yes. Deeply unsympathetic film about heroin addict criminals. Right. And make it cool and sexy and fizzy, which it is, but like yeah. enough that Americans are like, ah, one ticket, please. So yeah. they have this this uh, can party that was like, I mean, the inner titles are saying like the film played at a competition as a midnight screening, but it was the only unanimously like sort of uh, well-received film the entire festival. And then like the party became the must-attend event of the festival. And they show the party, and it's like Mick Jagger, Tony yeah. Collette, Hell like the people yeah. watch Damien Alburn. Yes, <laughs> just an incredible crew of people. But the longest, uh, Martin Landau, who gives a bizarre interview where they're like, do you think this like signals the start of a new wave, a new media, a, a new generation of British filmmakers? And he's like, eh, what are you talking about waves? Waves aren't a thing. They aren't generation. It's just people. It's just one person makes a movie. Like, he's very angry about it. I kind of like that. It was kind of incredible. <laughs> and you're also just like, what is he doing at this party? But then the longest interview, weirdly, the guy who stays and talks to this fucking red carpet schmo for the longest is uh, 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 Noel Gallagher. Sure. Well, he is also king of the world right then. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is Noel Gallagher? Of From Oasis. Oasis. Oh, oh, okay. The front man. Okay. Well, the- and they ask him if... He, a, also, a chatty guy who loves to go off if there's a microphone. And was good. And was saying oh, He's so good funny. Shit. He's maybe the funniest British person. But alive. they were asking, do you think the film's going to connect in the States as much? And he goes, I don't know. The fucking accents. I don't, they might understand. I didn't understand much of what they are saying. <laughs> and it's like, he's a man who is somewhat unintelligible. He's Mancunian. He's from Manchester. And he was saying, I did a very bad job of his accent there. <laughs> but he was saying that he could not understand most of the dialogue in yeah. the film. Did you guys watch this with subtitles on? Absolutely. I sure did. Okay, yeah, I was going to say. David? Yes, I did. I mean, well, I watch everything with subtitles because my daughter. Yeah, I'm a little uh, that way too. Um, but, uh, Wait, yeah, also because daughter of your daughter. watched this yeah. movie? No. Okay. And, she and, didn't watch I, it. She I actually, just read it. She I, read you the just, subtitles. You, I just showed her, you showed her only the baby scenes. <laughs> well, that's, I actually put it on <laughs> with my wife in the room. Because I was like, just watch the first 10 minutes. It's like it's like fucking, you know, shot out of a can. Has she never seen it before? No. Wow. And that's not surprising. Um And, uh. Quite quickly, she was like, there's a baby. Is the baby okay? And uh-huh. I was like, no. And maybe we should stop. Watching. Maybe less okay than a baby's <laughs> and ever she was been. Like, you have, you, she was like, you shouldn't have even told me that the baby is not okay, even though I'm not going to watch. You should have just said you the baby's okay. And the I was baby like, is so not okay. I was it like, does back. this movie have a vibe of the baby's going to be okay? <laughs> like, not really. But it's, yeah, but it's, it's Chekhov's it's, baby. I forgot about this. It's also, it happens so early in the movie yeah. and we move on and it's yeah. still light and fun. And I don't know how well, it that's pulls that off. This movie is a real magic trick of a movie. Yeah. Yes. I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time, mm-hmm. probably since college. Or I something. saw it one time in high school and I hadn't seen it since. Wow. I watched it a ton in high school and yeah, probably in college. And then I hadn't seen it in so long. And the baby, I remember being so hard to watch. I had yes. to, I, I'm going to be honest, actually. I skipped the scene. Really? I, I've seen the movie many times. Well, I just I it really doesn't not, count. Your opinion is. <laughs> it was not the hard. It ended up not being the hard. The, the hardest thing for me watching it this time around was Tommy. And when Tommy That's goes back, Tommy I was like, yeah. Yeah. I am so bummed by this. But the baby... I was just like, this is really well done. I was no, just like, this, well done. I was yeah. just sort of like appreciating the experience no, of the movie. But like I at just, this time, around. I actually just, it, I was compelled immediately. I picked up the remote. Spud with like, the sheets is still yeah. the moment that I <laughs> sure. can deal just, with the toilet. Just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. the um, 
the 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 length of it. Yes. Yeah. You know, if that was five seconds, you'd be like, okay, but like the fact that we then he were with him in the bed for a minute. Yes. Yeah. And then of course the follow up scene. Yes. Like that uh, is so like yes. this. Uh, this is based on vignettes. Like that scene yes. is like this was something that was a vignette. But to me, that is also just it's and this is Scottish film. Obviously, uh-huh. it's Scottish, yeah. but yeah. it's so British. They're so fucking obsessed with you know caca. Poop and Cock-a-poop-a? poop and yeah. butts and dicks. You yeah, know what I mean? Well, In that yeah. weird way where they're like such a proper country, so many ways of it all. So they're so like scatological and silly. Mm-hmm. You know what I think is a weird choice? It's it maybe the only thing I'll ding Boyle for in this movie. And I, I'm wondering if I'm going to get pushback from you guys on this, knowing careful, who I'm careful, talking to. No trains. Careful. Well, no, no, we'll talk about that. Although there actually is a, a one, there is one train. There's one well, train. I have something to say about that yeah. too. Me too. Uh, when, when Spud passes out in the bed, and Shirley Henderson, uh, Shirley she Hen- looks at his cock and she's like, "Let's not see that what I'm good. missing." And I'm like, it's pretty Excuse good. Excuse me, I know. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. this is my point. Yes. I'm like, if I'm Danny Boyle, that's a funny beat on page. Yeah, you get on set. Bremner's like, "I'm good to go." Here we go. Drops Here's what kit, I look like. Shows his dick. You go like, "We're now framing this." From that's not going to work. Exactly. The, waist up. the joke doesn't work. He's got a pretty good penis. Or you He's do inverse prosthetics. The one of the only times yeah. in film where you make it smaller. Tuck it down. <laughs> or give him a mic. Some kind of perspective trick. I don't know. There's something yeah. you can pull off. You just don't show his the dick. dick his dick stupid. is really fucking good. Yeah. Or whatever. You know what? Maybe. And I'm surprised. I'm like, good for Spud. And then she's Agreed. saying the exact opposite thing. But maybe well, what, the, what the hell does she want? I mean, yeah, you... She's addicted. She's addicted to the biggest dicks in the world. <laughs> and it, it's soft. It's soft. It's soft. It's soft. And it's, soft. For, it's foreskin too, which can it's often foreskin. make it look a little tucked up. <laughs> David's giving a a, a poncho from the first okay. new group. Um, <laughs> so, train spotting. Um, wait, wait, wait. Can I? Can I? Okay, I have a gifts for you guys. I got oh you guys. God. Oh, you said you had something. Something. I'll say okay. surprises. Is it? Is it plaster cast of you and Bremner's penis? <laughs> yeah. <I got> you. <laughs> now that it's come up, I mean, I should get them out. It is the okay. So I wanted to get you guys something from the movie. So I found the wow. prop store, like a like a, an eBay store, sure. a UK eBay store. So like, do you guys know? Why it's called train spotting, and there's a couple of answers to this. But in the book, there's a bit where they're at a train station. Old man comes to them and goes, "What are you guys doing?" A bit of train spotting, and that guy turns out to be Bagby's dad. Is that right? Oh, really? Yeah. And apparently, the scene is in T two. Oh, interesting. That's, that's why the funny. book is called that. I read. I but what what's well, there is the whole like train spotting is like when people would just take down the numbers of trains. So trains, passing by train and that's spotters like a, are a, a type of British person uh-huh i think there's that guy on tiktok i was now. gonna say you know this guy with the head camera and it's like a fisheye lens like, oh, mm. here i am i'm in, I'm in no. edinburgh waverley today and there's gonna be a 305 coming in and then like a train comes in. he's like oh very good and he switches to this like head camera where his eyes are like weirdly it's like this <laughs> overly wide lens that's mounted on a helmet on top of his face so his whole head looks like E.T. Oh, wow. Okay. And he goes to train stations at like 4 o'clock in the morning and it's like, I think it might come. I think it might and come. And he's a modern day train spotter. But yes. To wow. me, the idea of it is like, because train spotters, especially when you were in the 90s, they would be these weirdos who were standing at the front of the platform usually. Sure. And they would kind of just be standing there alone maybe with a little book. Mm. And they look like drug addicts. Right. Because they're just kind of like standing there, you know, and like, and also what they were doing was so obscure, even to me as like a lover of trains, like they would be obsessed with specific engines or whatever, you know. You talked about this before that you really want to see this movie. Okay, we'll get to it. But Charles, Charles, okay, well, okay, there's that. There's several, I think that there's supposedly like several reasons for the the title. One of them is this prop 
Oh, which right. I was actually able to get from this place. Oh my God. Um, Charles so is handing these are three Easter eggs. I got Manila yeah. envelopes. So okay. the, the, this prop is in one of the scenes, if you remember, and it's an Easter egg within the scene, and it's actually why the movie is called Train Spotting. Okay, so it's it's um, a pair of Hanes uh-huh. white underwear with train uh, Y fronts, to be clear. Yeah, with train written on the back, and then just oh. a little uh, spots of blood. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the uh, the rear, uh-huh. right on the yeah. seat. Yes, on the seat. Uh, one might say, uh, "What is this in the movie?" Um, they said it's in the movie, and I paid uh, four hundred <laughs> euros each. Mm. Um, and you just were like, even though I just watched the movie, yeah, that's in the movie. Must be in the movie. A, right? I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure yeah. it's in the movie. They yeah. won't uh, tell me like uh, what frame, but I've they been won't told. Tell you. <laughs> I've been told that this is in the movie. Yeah. No. I mean. Wow. And like, some and, under, some and these envelopes were clearly, <laughs> this is the sent in the mail. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These blank, <laughs> they disappeared. It was, it was a courier service, an unlabeled courier service. At UK the, Film Props. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. These I love too that they silk screen this and this isn't ironed on. Yeah. 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 Well, it was the 90s. It was a different time. Can different you believe time. I spent that much I energy thinking about making this? No, <laughs> well, and also well. that you have a, you have a, an at UK film props <laughs> written on here. Yes. Not an account that exists. No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess. <laughs> number I did a swift Google. <laughs> you, you would know. You came yeah. up with a serial number. Right. All right. So anyway. Thank you so spotting. much for incredible. <laughs> no, this is a great This is a great It's got gift. period spotting I mean, and it says have train to on add it. It, it might our... not be period. It's at. That's some, that's okay. some ass it spotting. It could be anything. It could be ass spotting. <laughs> that's some back of the. They're going to go on our on our uh, menagerie, our hall of blank check. There you go. Display. Thank you. Uh, thank You're you so welcome. much. You're such a sweetie, Charles. Uh, it's pretty expensive. <laughs> <laughs>what I oh, oh my mom yeah oh yeah oh yeah no no i mean it's just okay so this one comes out in 1996 i'm yep. living in i'm 10 years old okay and i do i am interested in movies but you know i feel yes. like you know the movies i'm so rushing to see are like the hunchback of notre dame right you know movie. Yeah. Could, i'm just what, yeah. what's out in 96 sure. i'm trying to think you know like what what Dunstan is checks in or is that oh there? i i checked in we with, all with checked old dunston there's no question never checked out <laughs> Um, and obviously, I am not seeing some of the more adult hits of 1990. Yeah, Fargo, sure. right? Uh, you know, Scream, uh-huh. From Dusk Till Dawn. Sure. Now I'm looking you get at my to those list. later. You weren't ready. Yeah, I wasn't ready for that. I think I may have seen. I saw Star Trek: First Contact in theaters. Okay. The movie's kind of you know intense. Yeah. But uh, there's these posters for a film called Train Spotting. They are pretty much the coolest posters. Yes. Yeah. Imaginable. The advertising campaign for this movie is second to none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But obviously. The poster does not feature anyone shooting drugs into their arms. And yeah. it is called train spotting. And it kind of has this kind of like now arriving thing going yep. on, right? Like that was part of the, you know, the taglines and all that. So I'm like to my mother, like, what's this movie? Is it about trains? Yeah. I have to see it. Gotta see it. And my mom was like, it, no, no, it's not. It's not about trains at all. Like it's not about, there's no trains in it. And I was like, what's it about? And she said, drugs. It's about people who do drugs. And I was like, what are drugs? Yes. Because I was 10. <laughs> right. And my mom had to be like, oh, okay, what are drugs? Like, I just remember very clearly her being like, how do I sum that up now? Yes. Like having to, for the first, and she's like, I don't know. It's like you smoke things that are bad for you. And I was like, like, cigarettes. like cigarettes, yeah. like my father smokes. Yeah. And she's like, no, they're worse. I mean, arguably, you know, like, and then she suddenly just like lost in like, you know. 
the criminality of drugs. Yes. How criminal should they be? Who can say? You know, what a broad term it is. <laughs> She's clearly not about to be like, I mean, these guys are doing heroin, which is right. like, that's a really tough one. You know, like she doesn't even get into that. But I just remember her failing completely to explain to me why anyone would want to see this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what it might be about. No, I would, I, I mean... Because uh, nothing about this suggests no. anything, really, except that there's hotties in it. That it's cool. Right. That it's, it's like, this is a cool. very cool movie. Right. I also, like, I had questions like, why is one of them called Sick Boy? That's right. not a name. And she's like, I don't know. I mean, she didn't see it <laughs> <laughs> at the time, I think. So. No, she did see it. I remember when it got nominated for, this film was nominated for one Oscar. Screenplay. Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah. And I remember when it got that nomination, me and my mom watching, the, and they were like, John Hodge, Train Spotting. And she was like, Pfft. That's a cool nomination. Damn. Like, she was impressed yeah. that the Oscars, like, It didn't there. win, though, right? Did not win, I believe. Well, who beat 96. it? 96. Probably lost to the English patient. <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess. No, no, no. There's an obvious Sling Blade. The, was, is, the, is that adapted? So Yeah, because it's from a short. Let's see. It loses to Billy Bob. Well, you know, we love Billy Bob, and we, we, we love French fried potatoes. That's a bunch of gibberish, though. That is me. wild. I don't know if that should win. He beat the English patient yeah. among... Other things, train spotting. He beat Arthur Miller uh, for adapting the Crucible. Sure. Kind of a you know yeah. name nomination, but whatever. And and the funniest adapted screenplay nomination of all, Hamlet, Kenneth Branagh. He did not cut a single thing out of the yeah. play. <laughs> so he basically was just I like, here's what this would look like on screen. Nominating Branagh. No, it's such I love that movie. It yeah. is such a lazy nomination yes. to yes. be Branagh being like, here's oh. my adaptation. I'm not changing a thing. It was probably a slightly different like typewriter font. Yeah, might that's, have adapted. Maybe, that's right. true. Sarah Ye old screenplay. <laughs> yeah, but he, uh, Billy Bob, that year was like giving him screenplay was a way to also make up for not giving him actor. It was yeah. like a two in one win. He was, was unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Um, g- growing up in the in the village of New York City, this movie was so fucking omnipresent when it came out mm-hmm. that I thought this movie was as big as Star Wars. Mm. because it was just like what I now understand is like, oh, that was a very very savvy marketing technique that they understood they had to make this movie seem cool by, like, you know, putting the posters up everywhere mm-hmm. and promoting the soundtrack and all these things. Soundtrack was a big part of I it. I didn't understand that was them trying to get people excited about this movie. I yeah. was like, this is the biggest hit film of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would see that poster, which just looked so cool. Anytime my parents went to see a movie and they'd come back home and I'd be awake, you know? Like, they'd go out for a movie night and I, I should have been asleep and I'm an insomniac as a child, but Your also... are in love, man. Well, this is dates the dates left and right. This is, this is <laughs> decades ago. But um, uh, I, I'd always just stay awake for them to tell me what the movie was about because I just oh, I wanted to hear about these cool adult movies I couldn't go to. And that was one where I was just like, and why is this watchable? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, it's like when you're On a paper, kid you're and like, it's not, there's no fun. plot. Yeah. And you're like, what's it about? And you're like, it's just about drug dealers, uh, drug addicts and their lives. And you're like, you told me they're bad. Yeah. yeah. You say those are the people we should cross the street to stay away from. You just went and watched a movie about them. I mean, a lot of them are. Like, I've never loved kids because I just feel, yeah. I just feel bad watching kids. Yes. So I'm like, I understand what's impressive or artistic about it. But at the same time, like, train spotting was the opposite of that. Like, I'm, I'm on a great ride the whole time. There, there's an interview with Boyle on the special features from when they were shooting this movie. So not even knowing the legacy or how it was going to land or any of that, where he said, the big challenge for me was, uh, you know, there's so much like war on drug stuff going on. It'd be very easy to make a sort of polemic film, a, a Christian F sort of tragic basketball diaries was he said the whole thing he didn't want to make right. 
And he said, I think if you're going to make a movie about drugs, you have to acknowledge that these drugs are pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Like, he yeah. was like, there's a reason people take them. Right. But it, there's, this thing breaks all the rules about drug movies, I feel like. Yeah. It starts with them being like, we're done. We're not going to fucking do this shit anymore. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's 20 minutes of that. Self-loathing. Yeah, like, yeah. and, but, yeah, and it, no, it, you're right, it represents the pure pleasure of it, too. Whoa, whoa, what's up, what's up? Well, what's up, David, is that, um, <laughs> I mean, I think that it's also because, not to, like, skip around to, like, the biggest you know, picture points, but, yeah. like, it's because it's one of the few, like, you think about, like, Requiem for a Dream, and it's like, I mean, that movie is about drugs, you know, like, yeah. a lot of movies about drugs are about drugs, and, like, when I was watching stuff about the campaign for this movie, it's like they really emphasized this is a movie about heroin so that it would be like polarizing and like yeah, sure. all the sensational Stir stuff. But debate. it's like, it's not that the core like themes and messages as I was like watching it as an adult this time, I was like, this movie seizes you because it's like truly existential. Like this movie yes, is 100%. really profound. It's about like a sort of provocative nihilism about systems and about like how mid 90s totally everyone's like is history over mm. why are we all just fucking buying stuff and yeah living our boring lives what are we gonna do with ourselves it's a cut above that too because it's it's even it's somehow more timeless than a gen x thing that's sort of like everything sucks because then like mm-hmm. danny boyle comes in and he makes it joyful and he makes it fun and the ending and i don't want to just like cut right to the ending but like the sentiment, the sentimentality of the ending is so complicated. It, it like it ends in this way that it's like this is such a complicated movie, and it's about working inside of a system that you can't get out of, and the options within that system, and like the freedom that you can attain, isn't a freedom outside of the system. It's a freedom yeah. of giving in to a part of the system, which right. is like really hard. Just like it's really hard like, to like you know process that and like accept how many balls it's juggling thematically at the same time. It's amazing. It's, it's not movie. just like we're selling out. No, not I'm at all. Sell, I'm a sellout, right? The, it's which like is the, the like system the 90s. fucks me over, so I'll fuck people over, and now I'm free. But I'm not free. But it's right. okay. <laughs> you know, like... Well, I am free, but it it's... But no one's free. It's limiting, and I can't... Right, you know, I can't do this for very long yeah. without possibly dying. Or yeah, being yeah, yeah. But I feel or, alive by right. cooperating with like an oppressive aspect of the system and right. reacting to it. Uh, let's, crack, let's crack open the dossier. I can't do that. I don't have that. David? I just want to point out, yeah. in 1999, the BFI did sort of like its version of the AFI's yes. top 100, and this film was 10th. Uh-huh. 1999, so only three years after yeah. the film came yeah. out. Uh, and the other movies in the top 10 are like what you would expect. Like Third Man, Brief Encounter, Launch sure. Parade, 39 Steps, Great Expectations. Uh, that's twentieth. But you know, like wow. it's just it's just all. I mean, uh, don't look now. I sorry. The red shoes is the uh, oh, okay. Alan Pressburg. Okay. It's in the top ten. But like you know, British yeah. classics. Yes. And yes. like in ninety nine, in ninety six, ninety nine, it was like yeah, train spotting. Right. That's like that's as totemic. Well, because like that's the, how it the, felt the, in Britain. This the movie AFI just felt list. Like, yeah. When they do the AFI list in ninety nine or two thousand, whatever it is, and they put Schindler's List in the top ten, and that's like, oh, this is the one modern recent film that they're immediately elevating to that level. Mm-hmm. That's a movie about the Holocaust yeah. by the right. man who is the most established director in America. Yeah, yeah, at that prestige point. That's a safe yes. bet. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comfortable. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Train spotting. So yes, it's based on the debut novel of Irvin Welsh mm-hmm. that was published in nineteen ninety three, um, which sounds like Ben has read. I have read. I've been in a million years. Charles listened to the audiobook. Yeah, it was kind of like can't, I can't do this. Claim. I can't claim. I read it. It's got that cool cover. 
to me an iconic cover. Show me the cover again. Skull. Um, Skull-based okay. cover. I think it's two skull Two guys masks. wearing skull masks. It's so scary. Oh, oh right. It yeah. was one of those classic, yeah, yeah. kind of like the Exorcist book cover where it was like you would see it in a house and be like, Ooh. what is that? <laughs> um, and it is sort of famously written in like mostly in like Scott's dialect. So uh-huh. it's like kind of impenetrable. Very, but very cool. Similar to Clockwork Orange. Right. It yes. has a glossary even, you know, right. that yeah. at the back that you have to refer to to understand a lot of the slang. And when I was a kid, well, when I, by the time I was a teenager, train spotting was just like ingrained in British culture. Yeah. So, but like it still it was a cool thing to read. Cool thing to read, train hey, spotting, hey. you know. I don't think like I a, had it. I don't think I knew about it. Well, in I Britain, in, Irvin Welsh is kind of a celebrity too. Like he's he was just around. My David origin story is I grew up in Mexico, and I Ooh. think that that movie maybe didn't make it. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I think it maybe didn't make Scottish it. Scottish heroin <laughs> addict. Yeah, I think it, we maybe didn't get it. Did Train Spotting even come out in Mexico? It probably came out. I missed them because I, I definitely saw Scream. You know, but there were movies of that year I saw. Yeah, but. Um, yeah. I did. I didn't realize it was Welsh in the movie. Yes, he's he's the he's the panicked drug buyer. Right, he's the guy who gives him the uh, yeah. He's the, good. The suppository. He's he making choices. Good. He's really good. He is. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was Anthony Held for a second. <laughs> he looks kind of similar. He's yeah. funny. He has a weird Look, vibe. IMDb says it wasn't released in Mexico until 2016. Okay. <laughs> wow. Like when they did like a re-release, a brand new. <laughs> I guess probably in advance of the sequel. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Oh, oh, sure, that makes sense. So yeah. Irvin Welsh writes this book. He actually sells the rights to Noel Gay, which is the production company that makes Griffin's favorite show, Red Dwarf, mm-hmm. a classic British sitcom about uh, life on a spaceship. Yes. Hard to describe, but Red Dwarf. And then the last four survivors of a right. robot, two people who hate each other, and a stylish cat man. Correct. Yeah, it's a great show. Uh, and they love curry. Yes. And uh, yeah, anyway. But then he catches wind that like the triumvirate of British cinematic cool who just made a movie called Shallow Grave, mm-hmm. Danny Boyle, John Hodge, and uh, Andrew McDonald. Yeah. The producer. Everyone's, in all the areas, they're talking about these three. Yeah. yeah. They were kind of like this yeah. package. Yes. And especially because like, it is so hard to overstate how fucking uncool Britain had been mm-hmm. for 25 years basically right yeah and like then in the 90s right when i'm arriving right well one might say David? coincidence <laughs> you dare. But right in the mid 90s it's yes. like whoa britain's cool again right, right. like you you're know, not making shirley mm-hmm. valentine you're making like uh right exactly exactly like it's yeah. not like britain isn't making things that are culturally important but in they're the chariots 70s of fire 80s. yeah well there's that but it's or it's the smiths where it's yeah. like you know, I love them, but like they're, and they are cool, but like they're not like, you know, excited, you know, they're miserable. I mean, I love them, sure. but they yeah. make you feel melancholy. I that mean, could this, be cool. I mean, there's punk music, obviously. Right. That's our big, you know, it makes export. It makes the UK look so cool. But right. this movie yeah. is like, oh my God, the fantasy of like the 90s and like the clubbiness and like everyone's horny and dirty. Oh yeah, that you're, those like, you're those early Smegma Palooza. <laughs> Uh, so much smack. But the, like, early, like, or just all the house parties, like, the dance parties that they're portraying yes. in this movie. Yeah. I'm yeah. so nostalgic for that. Like, just, like, yes, early rave and, like, techno culture. Yeah. Like, we didn't really even have, I think, that same thing in America. It was very different, But I, I feel like yeah. our age group had some little full circle, like, that, like, early 2000s hipster, like, 2007. I was, yeah. I, like, there's, like, a, a spud outfit when they go like walking through and he's wearing like a vertical stripes and like skinny jeans. Yes. And I'm just like, I absolutely was wearing that when I was like, tw- I thought I had invented it, but I, I realized watching this and I, and I like this movie when I, a lot as I, when I watched it as a teenager, but I didn't think of it as like a seminal impact yeah. movie for me. 
I realized there was absolutely a year of high school where I was trying to look like McGregor in this movie. There were you're a petite I, boy. Undersized you know? tees, yeah. skeletal, super pale shaved head. Mm-hmm. I, I like had the exact same look. And yeah. I think part of it was me recognizing, oh, this guy also has zero body fat. <laughs> yeah, I can play this card. Looks like a ghoul. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should try to do the other elements. And I, I never looked as good as him. But it, you were it, a converse but, guy too, right? Yes. I mean, I feel like as, you've always kind of sort of I was, converse. I, I had me, I was also converse. That was high. Yeah, but I, see, I wanted to look like you. I was this big galoot. Sure. And I was like, I wish I could like shop at like the women's right. aisle in Top That's Shop. what I would, I would buy. You know, I wanted right. to look like you. Well, and see, Ben wanted the, to look like me. This is the whole thing about body positivity, guys. Yeah. That's <laughs> but, but I'm serious. But like, but yeah, right, I wanted to be like waif like because like right. my best friend was this like yeah. waif like boy and you know, everything fit him. And I was like, he's so fucking cool. No, I'd buy like vintage children's t shirts with the stretched out collars. It's the exact look yeah. he has for the first half of this yeah. movie. The fashion in this, man. But I look bad. I want to make it clear. I look bad. I didn't pull it so off. Good. He looks incredible. <laughs> I, I, bet you look I bet you were a cutie. I bet you were a cutie. It took some time. But that was. <laughs> That was around the same time. That was like yeah. early, mid-2000s. I do feel like there was a processing of, mm-hmm. like, but it, but it was more of an affectation. Yeah. Rather than that being like an organic sort of movement. You obviously have like the, the Chloe Sevigny kids, Harmony Corinne, right. thrift shop, New York mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like there was a point in like 2004 where New York became a little train spotting-y. The strokes kind of come to mind maybe as yes. like yeah, an exactly. example to point to of like sort of having a similar fashion All sense. All the, what's Mimi in the bathroom. Totally. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, it's that sort of like post-punk thing where like it's a little bit mod, but it's also a little bit new wave. And then yeah. it's also like kind of EDM, like mid-90s. And then we did it again for our generation, like in 2007, where sure. we were being like hipsters with that and mod stuff. And then now it doesn't really exist. It's not really... But rock and roll doesn't well, exist. Now anymore, it's like right? curated is, because, you know, a TikTok and like Gen yeah, Z yeah. kids Look, are like yes, trying to like... Modern yeah. culture is a, is a fetid pit. Well, and it's also <laughs> just like white people have had enough enough time in the cool spot. Yeah. <laughs> sure. That's, that's also true. Like, yeah. them out. Yeah. Time, time to course, move on. These are Scottish people. Yes. Very, yeah, yeah. A very unusual breed. I mean, that um, monologue you McGregor I, gives. I said this before you were here. That monologue, any Scottish person can recite that. It's so, it's so good. It's, it's the best. That monologue. Um, Lowest of the low. I can't. I fucked it up. I went to Billy Connolly on that one. Go on, David. Sure, he'd be fun in this one. Yeah, he'd be great. He could be be Mother Spirit. I mean, it's so funny how that monologue, like, they just don't go up the mountain. Like Tommy's like, let's go up this mountain, and then he like gives that monologue. He's like, like, fine, let's just go home. I want to talk about that train station. This is so also. I mean, speaking of complicated about friend dynamics. Mm. I mean, like. Growing up, I had a group of friends that I oh, feel right. like I related. <laughs> wow. Uh, that I related to uh, th- this group of friends and that we kind of all didn't really like each other sure. and we're kind of mean to each other. Yeah. Right. But then I also all kind loved of each, sick other. Of each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we were all kind of stuck with each other is almost kind of the way it felt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that thing too of like when you're growing up with people, like you don't realize that your friends at the time like have personality disorders. Right. That they're like actually like very deeply fucked up people. Right. And but like those are the options you have. Absolutely. And then you become completely enmeshed with them. And then looking back, you're like, 
that person was literally a sociopath and they were my or best friend. Or sometimes you might even have the experience where you see them later mm-hmm. in life and yeah. they're like, I was the worst. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I was like really messed I up. I was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I guess you were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Did you go like, why does Tommy hang out with junkies? Yeah. Why Why do any of them hang out with Well, why does anyone hang out with Begbie is the big one. A huge that one. is a guy where I'm like, I might cut him out of my, I guess he would just find me. I they're scared of him. Yeah. I think they can't get rid of him. Like he's just like, these are my, the only people I can hang out with are like these extreme addicts. <laughs> right, right. They're the only people who actually tolerate me. Yeah. All right. Um, so Irvin Welsh sees Shallow Grave. Okay. And he's like, fuck. Like, that's the energy I want. Like, it, this it's is sort awesome. Of a, a British Mean Streets moment. Absolutely. Right? Where it's like, oh my God, here's this exciting new star, this exciting new director. These guys are going to do big things. And so Danny Boyle and uh, Andrew McDonald and John Hodge approach him, apparently. Danny Boyle wrote him a letter and he called John Hodge and uh, Andrew McDonald the two most important Scotsmen since Kenny Dugleish and Alex Ferguson, which is really funny. David, what's that? They're two football football guys, football player and football manager. Okay. Um, But I just like that he was like, Boyle was clearly like, look, I'm not Scottish. I get it. I get it. But before you get mad at me, these two guys are so fucking Scottish. So, like, they're not going to mess that up. I promise. Like, we'll have the gestalt of, like, you know, uh, working class Scottish life. Uh, and then the way Irvin Welsh puts it is he like reads the screenplay and uh, I think for Shallow Grave, he like reads Sean mm-hmm. Hodge's screenplay for Shallow Grave and says, there's nothing I can teach this guy about screenwriting. I'm just going to get out of the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this seems fine. John Hodge mm-hmm. and Andrew McDonald could be in the movie. Like, John Hodge looks like yes. Sick Boy. Yeah. And Andrew McDonald looks like Spud. They like kind of yes. are those guys. Uh, John Hodge is cutie, is a, a, a cutie pie. Yes, and he seems gay. Like I was looking at interviews with him, and mm. I can't, I can't find I it know. because no yeah. one is interested. He's, no one's in, asking and right. putting that on Google. <laughs> We're asking. Uh, um, John Hodge, get in touch. Uh, we'll talk about him plenty because yeah. he made well, many movies. With John him. Hodge from the past, get in touch. Oh, well, okay. Jeez, damn. John um, Hodge from the present, read for film. No, he's actually kind of cute, but uh, what am I going to do? Marry, marry that man? No. Don't question it. And Andrew McDonald's brother, of course, is Kevin McDonald, which you, who you may know. He was He's a fairly big documentary director. Who is also the brother of Kelly McDonald. Really? No. No, what? they're not related to her. Because they talk about They her, found her out yeah. of nowhere. Why did I think Kelly McDonald and Kevin McDonald were? I didn't think her and Andrew McDonald were related. That's why. But they are the heirs to McDonald. They are the heirs to McDonald. Well, the, the other yeah. thing is they are, I believe, the grandchildren of a little guy called Emmerich Pressburger. Ever oh, heard of him? Okay. Um, but uh, I yeah. I think Kevin was specifically related to Kelly. Okay. But yes, Kevin did Last King of Scotland. Yeah, exactly. He did. The, he did a lot uh, of documentaries. Right. He was the yeah. big documentary uh, one day in September, Marley, Touching the Void, yeah. and then he switched to to um, yeah. fiction films. And I feel like he was less good at those. Although Last King of Scotland, Last right. King of Scotland's a good. Movie. What, what did he do recently? Uh, the Mauritanian. Right. A movie that absolutely exists. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff like that. Like, and he does a lot of documentaries where no offense it feels like he's kind of doing it for money like he did yep. the Whitney Houston documentary yes. I think he did an Oasis documentary yes. no yes. there's something else about Oasis I don't know it doesn't matter anyway it doesn't matter these guys are all on board mm-hmm. uh, well I think they they first read the book when they're making Shallow Grave and they're yep. just like this is like a brilliant youthful thing like mm-hmm. this is perfect for us and uh, they had to pry the rights away from Noel Gay okay um and it's one, of, yeah. The the people who'd initially he'd initially oh. sold them to, and it was one of those kind of things where like, well, we didn't have any plans for this, but you're interested. Sure. 
money, please? Yes. Um, the other thing is that Scott Rudin was oh, circling boy. them post Shallow Grave, which makes sense. That was always his move. And was He'd like, wait for someone to make the one movie on their own, and he'd come in and be like, I will fight all your fights for you. Mm. He was like, what do you want to make? I'll help. You know, like, he's yeah. he's sniffing around. Though. Yeah. One said Weinstein got it. Here, at least. Well, that's true. Yeah, the, the Miramax does pick it up. Um, but uh, but it's not made by Miramax. No. It's made by Channel 4, right. which is a British TV channel. Mm-hmm. News station. <laughs> I mean, they do have news. Yeah. <laughs> um, Local news. No, Channel 4 in Britain, especially in the 90s, that was the cool channel. Okay. It was the BBC. You had four channels. There were only four channels. Mm-hmm. I'm not joking. Go on. There's the BBC, one. Mm-hmm. That's the big one. BBC Roku. Two. Roku. Then BBC Freeview. Two. Yeah. BBC. <laughs> Freeview. No, BBC Two, which was yeah. like the other BBC channel, but it was a little more fun. Like uh-huh. Buffy was on BBC Two. Sure. And then ITV, which was the first private channel. Uh-huh. And then in the 80s, they were like, we should have a second private channel. It's getting a little boring. Just these two channels, but you know, BBC, ITV. So they bring in Channel 4, and Channel 4 was cool. Now, Channel 4 had, like, cool alternative stuff. Mm. Now, the the Ming-T song, BBC... I know. Well, Tommy, BBC 1, BBC 2, BBC 3, BBC 4, BBC 5, they BBC actually 6, did, BBC they, 7, BBC Heaven. Right, but they which actually... Which, if you count, it's actually eight total channels. Right. <laughs> they did actually add three and four later when cable came around. And when did BBC Heaven come around? Uh, it's still in the works. Um, and now is it just, like, BBC streaming platform and that's well, it. Well, now, I don't even know what it is now, but like, you know, they've all got, yeah, I mean. And they, BBC Plus, BBC Max. Yeah, yeah, they've all got all that shit. Um, but, yeah. you know, when I was a kid and I remember I moved to England and in America I had cable. I was uh-huh. I was used to many channels. Sure. And I was like, they only got four fucking channels. What fuck is, is this? You go yeah. one, two, three, four, and I'm like, five's coming up and you go right back for another <laughs> one. Why? What do you mean, why? Great Why do they only have four channels? Well, it's no different than like ABC, NBC, Fox. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like the networks. Sure. That was it though. If you if you got a fucking satellite dish, you could get Sky. Well, I guess they okay. weren't producing as much as the States, probably. And yeah. then they didn't have, like, international acquisition money. Yeah. In the 90s, they start to show American TV more and more. But, like, Seinfeld would be on at, like, 1135. Yeah. On, and, like, there would be these ads on British TV. They're like, do you know what the most popular American show is? And it'd be like, you know, is it ER? No. Is it? And they'd be like, it's Seinfeld. Anyway, fucking stay up late if you want to watch it. You have to remember, Ben, also that like half of the TV made in the UK is made by the government. Yeah. So it's you not. You have to pay a fee to own a television in, a, in Britain. A yearly fee. I thought it was just that you would pay some of some taxes towards the production of all this stuff. That's how it works. You that pay, is, you that is you that pay tax. a license fee every year. You pay money to the government to own a TV that can receive television. If you don't, if you want to be one of those, I don't even own a TV people, then they go fine. Then you don't have to pay for our TV shows right. that we, the government, make. But they're basically saying if you have one, you gotta you gotta pony up. When I was in college, I had a TV in my room in my dorm, but yeah. I didn't have I didn't plug in the antenna. So I didn't. Ha- it didn't receive television. I only used it to watch DVDs, and I could DVD have plugged one, in TV DVD and two. watched exactly region DVD one, three. region two. I could have plugged in my TV and watched like the BBC. But then you would have had to pony up. Well, they might have found me, and they would do these ads oh where they were like, like, "We're watching. If you don't pay your license fee, knock knock. Who's there?" It's like Brazil. I mean, it, like it, it's just that's the vibe. Wow. But that's why, like, when the BBC shows something you object to, you can, like, call the government and be like, I don't like that. Yeah. I didn't like that you did that. My I money paid, paid for, that. for this rather yeah. than David Zaslav paying for it. And there's no ads. BBC has no ads. And there's more nudity. I mean, Britain's got lots of nudity. Yeah. yeah. There's no doubt about that, including train spotting. Yeah. yeah. Plenty of dicks. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. At least two. 
Good dicks. Good dicks. Good dicks. The thing they kept on saying in these interviews, where obviously the uh, you know we're we're not going to make it shortcuts. They kept on using shortcuts as the reference point, I guess, because that had been pretty recent, successful. Very of, recent. Early. This is not yeah. what we're trying to do. We're going to streamline it. It's from Renton's perspective. Uh, Boyle's big thing of like we have to show what's fun about these drugs. This can't be like an anti-drug screed. You need to show the highs of their life, otherwise the thing doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It can be fun at times. Uh, the movie needs to be fun at times. But the other thing he said was uh, the three of them made what he referred to as a blood pact that the movie had to be 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Great. And he was just like, conceptually... More people, should, more people should do that. Yeah, he was just like, the energy of this film will right. not be able to sustain for over 90 minutes if yep. we start like this, if we hit the ground running, and you audiences, it just doesn't matter if the scenes are good, at a certain point, they're going to get burnt out. They won't want to spend more time with these characters true. in this world. And there were a lot of good deleted scenes. And he just kept on saying, like, the only reason we cut the scene is because we had to hit 90 minutes. Mm. And you watch them. The scenes are really good on their own. They're mostly about the other characters. And he was like, look, streamlining, focusing on Renton, whatever. But the 90-minute the blood pack thing was maybe the single smartest move they made. It's a strange but great structure, too. Like, yes. it's really... And it, I love... I love a lot of movies where now as a writer, I'm like, I can't, I'm like, no, everything has to serve a greater purpose of the story and whatever. I've just become brainwashed, but trying to like (laughs) be hard on myself. But then you watch movies like this and it's like, this is really just about like setting a world, like setting a stage, exploring characters. And I mean, what it is doing is like, it does increase the stakes on some level emotionally to like see rinse go through all this stuff so that mm-hmm. by the time you're ready for him to get sober again and like clean up you're like invested in it that's yeah. really all it is though and besides that it's just sort of like yeah you could actually cut like everything except for the last act you know right like and it would that would be your well, story also, if i submitted this script to anyone in hollywood they'll be like this isn't this isn't totally like this like yeah. this is insane but that's why danny Boyle's an incredible director like it's like the, the direction of this movie glues on what could be not a great movie together um, but I'd also just feel like the sort of crucial point post shallow grave is like Hollywood is like the doors open. Yeah. Come here now. Yes. Right. And they're like, I don't know. And like Andrew McDonald, no, no Boyle says he had like a phone call with Sharon Stone. Who's like, you know, hot sure. shit in 1994. Yeah. And she's like, I loved shallow grave. Like, do you want to make a movie with me? Mm-hmm. And Danny Boyle, as he puts it, is like, I didn't really know how to behave uh, about this stuff. But then he reads Train Spotting. He's like, no, I want to do this. Right. Like, But I just feel like it's like they're all like, let's not do some Hollywood project. Sure. Let's make a one million pound movie about heroin addicts yeah. in Scotland. Uh, obviously, the book was a big deal. Right. Not like a number one bestseller. Not but the Bible. Like, uh, the, not the Bible. And they were mm-hmm. thinking about like, doing the Bible. They were. <laughs> Follow up to Shallow Grave. Boyle had a take. Um, but, uh, but, uh, 90 minute know. blood pack. <laughs> yeah, right. well, the Bible. The Bible. Yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I would have read the Bible. The book blazes with honesty. It's compelling. It's disturbing. It's revolting, but you want to continue with it. It takes this group of people who've been sidelined. You're and still we talking all, about the Bible. I, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. This yeah. is Danny Boyle talking about, uh, the story of, uh, Job. Adam and Eve. Yeah. And Job and all those fuckers. Uh, it takes this group of people who've been sidelined and we all do it. We all sideline junkies. It's something lower than human. It smashes them straight back into your field of vision. And it says, consider them as human beings. Uh, so, you know, Danny Boyle, that's what he's getting at there. It it is funny. Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing you're talking about of Danny Boyle, like, okay, here you go. Andy breakout movie, Hollywood comes calling. Sharon Stone is offering you a 40 or $50 million movie. Mm-hmm. And he's like, let me slow my brakes. Let me stay in this before I jump over to Hollywood. And now that same decision is like, 
you make a first movie for one eighth of what this movie cost, mm-hmm. and the second movie they offer you is a two hundred million dollar movie. Right, like the leap is so much greater yeah, now. Well, yeah. there's only and one it's great still, to make. But but also it is like unfortunately rare that someone does the Danny Boyle move of like. I should stay in this pocket for a little yeah. longer. Yeah. I don't need to make the jump yet. I should keep doing what I'm doing. And when he does make the jump, he struggles. But well, yeah. right. I mean, not struggle for a while well, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some weird movies. As Irvin Welsh puts it, to me, Train Spotting is not a drug film. It's about the vibrancy of youth, about how people adapt to changing circumstances. Do you think I'm young? In a world David where drugs have replaced employment, you're younger than me, me, so you're young. <laughs> uh, I think you're younger than me. Um, yeah, of course. You, you're the vibrancy of youth written all over you. And Irvin Welsh is like, my writing is about how drugs have become unremarkable. Like, drugs and drink have become less re- recreational, more just a way of life. Because mm-hmm. people had fuck all else to do. Sure. And, uh, you know, they make this movie, but they're just very, like you're saying, Griffin, like, they're very intent on, like, this does not need to be hard-hitting realism, and this does not need to be brutally depressing. As much as it will be about brutally depressing things, it needs to be fun. Mm-hmm. It needs to be fun and, and watchable. Yeah. Right. It's constantly fun. It is making a choice. Every, it's making like a million choices every second. It just makes you feel like I should make more choices. When you it, take drugs, you have a fucking great time, says Danny Boyle. Unless you're unlucky. Look, I, I, I don't like every one of Danny Boyle's movies, although I do overla- overall like his filmography. Uh, but, but the thing about him, even in his worst films, is you get the sense he does not take any decision for granted. No. Right. Right. There, yeah. There's never just a bait. Well, what's the normal, obvious way to just get this scene done? There's so much deliberate thought put into every totally. shot setup, every sequence. You it know? reminds me a little bit of it's weird to compare about Baz Luhrmann. Like watching Elvis, I was like, you know, I don't even know if I like this movie or don't like this movie. All I know is that I'm watching someone make as many choices right. as possible. And there He's is not something, just like, you know, yeah, right. let's, let's you're like, fucking get through this people one. People don't make a lot of choices nowadays. Right. Like I, it's better to make them than not. Even if, and a lot of Danny Boyle movies, like he can get tacky. Like he can do like right. stuff where suddenly everything's sped up and like, you know, he's I, not I still, afraid of tackiness, and no, sometimes no. it works for him, and sometimes maybe. He and he's got a little bit of that English straight boy thing that mm, I don't mind being racist to that country, um, <laughs> but like you know that sort of like we're gonna fucking take it there. Then it's like okay, you know, just like shut sure. up, like you're so proud of it. But that's how British people think about Americans. But yes, go on. But there's that. We're you, gonna you fucking know what take I'm, it there. All right, all right. But you so know what I mean. Like, you are British people. Fucking take it there. <laughs> Look, I love British people, whatever. But also, like, yes. the sort of, like, the the being proud of how sensational you are, mm-hmm. you know, is In like. your face. It's just so, it's so straight, <laughs> you know. And, like, it's so straight boy, especially the, the flavor of that. And so, like, but he counters it, it with a je ne sais quoi that makes it work. Sure. You know? And in this movie, too, it's like. The sort of, there's an art boy thing in it that is really fun. Like, I'm just like, everything is, the colors are like green, red, and lavender. That's crazy. It, it, like, Francis Bacon, but it works he said so well. that was the whole, like, right. like, every apartment looks like a Francis Bacon. Totally. And it is also, you mentioned already, but like the way they dress is like, it, they, it looks like they don't have any money. 
but they look really cool and interesting. And all they the have time. so many clothes. And like, they have no so one many is clothes. ever repeating But it feels something. like they're just raiding vintage shops yeah, yeah, yeah. for no money and they're getting all these weird like 60s and 70s items and like matching them around. Like, right? Is like, that thing the, I, I just saw? The girls look more normal. Like right. the girls wear like party dresses Which and I nice kinda, clothes. I, because they're not as fucked up as the boys. They're not as fucked up. <laughs> but there is that, I mean, I'm of two minds because I w- there's a part of me that like, you know, as a gay boy, like always wanted the like girl action figures to be just as cool as the boy ones or be like, wait, why the is Shirley Henderson girl, like, action you know? figure in this movie is really worth her. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kelly McDonald just is opening is like, and closing uh, the, the, the sheets. The Kelly McDonald is as like ready baked as it is the most ready baked of, the, but like yes. she even kind of drops off. Like in, she does. Like by the end, you're kind of like, oh, I could have had a little bit more of her oh, flavor. They, they cut, they cut, they cut her stuff because she's yeah. a fun. She's got a fun thing going too. But the yeah. um, the woman who loses the baby, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Fiona Bell is the actress. Fiona Bell, yeah. Yeah. I she's great. She's really good. But there is a part of me that's like, but imagine like an you know some English Annie Potts character actor <laughs> like in some sort of Cindy Lopper. Sure. and I, you know, like yeah. if she had been just as fun and flavorful like i kind of would have been more into the groove of that you know but yeah whatever i get that everyone has to be sort of like a a grounded counterpoint it's a very boy boy movie movie. and like all my friends who loved it were well maybe that's not true actually but you know so it was this big boy movie i I was gonna say i just saw the uh all all the beauty and the bloodshed Mm. and there's there's the part in that where nan gold is talking about like living in apartment alphabet city with like 18 other artists and like multiple drag queens most of whom are doing dope day and night right and she said like every single day we went to goodwill right 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 there's always gonna be new shit like, that was the priority <laughs> yeah every friend. day because you want to be glamorous and you yeah. have no money yeah. right yeah um, I mean, the th- to me, the biggest challenge, if I'm fucking Danny Boyle and it's the fucking 90s and he talks about this, is like heroin is a boring drug in that it makes you want to go to sleep. Sure. Like, so like, how do you represent, like, it's like, and he's saying like, this was ecstasy's era mm-hmm. you know, in Britain. Like, that is the drug people were doing. Like, sure. in the mid 90s. I went doing MDMA and, you know, got a glow stick, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the listener at home, David, is doing such a cool a dance. Stick. It's really beautiful. And, like, you know, obviously there's tons of Coke movies, but, like, heroin movies tend to be sleepy and depressing. Yeah, and this know? movie kind of feels more like Coke and ecstasy than it does heroin, right. actually. But they are doing heroin. It's got it's more of a roller coaster than heroin probably feels like. But I feel like that Danny Boyle's just like, I'm just going to ignore that vibe and I'm yeah. going to make this zippy movie. Yeah. And they are self-destructive. Doing heroin is a very self-destructive thing to do. And so, no, no, right, you're right. You should (laughs) just do it. But like, so like, it's like, I mean, the first shot of the movie is Renton getting run over. Yeah. Looking at the car and just looking with like manic glee. It's manic. Yeah. And then of course, when you cut back to that moment an hour later, you're like, oh, he's completely fucking lost it. Like he's like, he's so at the bottom of it. But like when you're watching it for the first time, you're like, yeah, he doesn't give a shit. He's just running. The other thing I love about that opening is just the like, the silence, you know, studio logos, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the song kicks in on their Best. feet Most on the familiar. sidewalk running full speed. And it feels like that thing where you're just walking down the street of New York City and then something insane happens around <laughs> you. Yeah. Like the the vague veneer of calm is interrupted by two people getting in a fist fight yeah. on the corner or something. It's so trite. But the first time I saw Pulp Fiction and they're having that conversation and then like mm-hmm. they pick up their guns sure. and the music starts. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. And like when I was 14, whenever I saw it, I was just like, you know, like you're like jolted up in your seat. And the transplant is the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, the magic just of a cattle movies. prod thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. just like, holy shit. 
I think Run Lola Run has a similar kind of Run Lola Run. Opening, I just re- right? rewatch. Yes, it does. Fucking so good. I you should want to rewatch it. She's yeah. running. Yeah. That's a that's a cousin. That's a cousin of this oh, movie. Oh yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like Dyed that's hair. that's sick for going. Can we do the opening of Train Spotting for the entire movie? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like that's why it became regarded as trite, and it is a little trite because it is kind of like a an echo. Uh-huh. of those movies, right? It's like a yeah. little few years later. It's well, like, they just oh. copied Russian Doll too, so. Yeah, that's true. They totally yes. ripped off Russian Doll. Yes. Um, no, but, uh, but you know, it's fun. To your point about heroin, I feel like they they did take that into consideration though because then when they go, when Ewan McGregor goes to the club later, he's talking about how the drugs have changed, the people have changed. Right. But you're supposed to still kind of feel like everyone is getting more plastic, but, like, if you do heroin, like, you are, you're tapping into something a little bit more existential right. and internal than the drugs that we're doing and now. And you are on the outside of society. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Whereas, like, like, if you're doing ecstasy every week at a club, it's like, you, you could fucking, you're like, a go to person. work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like, but they know deep cut shit, too, because there's that mm-hmm. moment where they're listing off all the prescription drugs right. and, like, yeah. you know, yeah. when they're, like, stealing a TV from a retirement home. Yeah. Like, they're listing off names, they like, know you know, 20 yeah. different pharmaceuticals. So it's right. like, right. they like are they in have a little, yes. drug culture. Yeah. And the and the whole line about the mom and, like, how the mom does, you know, in her own domesticated way is also, like, a socially acceptable drug addict. Because she's and doing then Valium. It's like, you can either do drugs or you can you can do consumerism. That's like what the movie is saying. And there's actually nothing else. Like life has given you nothing else. Or drink um, constantly all the time. Right, which is what most British people are. I would put that into drugs. Yeah, yeah, drug. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone, the parents are so accepting in this movie in a way of like, what their children are doing around them, yeah, like yeah. where you're like, what the fuck is going on? I don't on? want to paint Scotland with a broad brush, but everyone who lives there is in a drunken stupor at all times. <laughs> well, that's the whole world, though. And they eat yeah. just like deep fried food all yeah. day. It has the, I believe it has the lowest, like, I, mean, I should look that You know up. this, and I don't think I'm talking out of school here, David, you can fact check this, I, but I believe this is true. Literally every single person in Scotland is groundskeeper Willie. That's the true. Yeah, and that is true. And, that, and I'm just saying that. That's what was groundbreaking about this movie. Yeah. For the culture. Because they of, stopped being that. Yes. Of, of a, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. It's a wonderful country. It's like my favorite part of the It's just Willie in different outfits. Like you go, there's like a Willie policeman. There's and girls and there's, yeah. there's yeah. little baby Willies. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, oh, when baby Willie dies. <laughs> oh, it's sad. It's really okay. sad. Um, well, I feel like they're saying it's either. I'm sorry, David. I know. You, I know you're on a track. I know I, you're on I, a track. I, I'm, I've got this dossier. Quote. I know. I, I know. I know. I know. But, but I, do, I do feel like the movie is saying like there's a binary to life. Like you, there's on, the way that life, the ideologies and humanity is structured is like you can either be in, a consumer or you can be a drug addict. And like being a drug drug addict is bohemia, and being right. a consumer you're is still a like, consumer, of course. You're still course. Yeah, yeah. But and either. But at least being a drug addict means that you are seeing through the curtain of the illusion. You're seeing sure. through you know, the illusion 100%, 100%. of life. It's also the whole That's point his whole argument like, in the yeah, opening cho- Choose yes. life as a statement is choose the thing that is purely about experiencing life in that moment. Right, right. Right? Like doing drugs, that's a visceral Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. But I just love that this movie... It's profound. It, this <laughs> movie is simultaneously <laughs> incredibly exciting to watch, very funny, busy, but also it is about how it is very boring. Being a drug addict. It's the being alive. That being alive is boring. That like being a human is just this like cyclical trap, basically. Yeah. There was that thing where when this movie came out, it's the peak war on drugs in America. Sure, a little bit. I mean, Bob Dole was like publicly condemning this movie and saying like, it's I can't believe there's this movie and they look cool and the kids and they got their music or whatever. 
And then he did like four or You're five right, different like, public <laughs> interviews about this and then finally revealed that he hadn't seen the movie, right? Sure. And it's hard to things. imagine Bob Dole watching Dreams. Of course. Story. But I'm like, yeah. Maybe he saw it in Mexico in 2016. Yeah, he probably caught it then. If you hear yeah. this thing as a best-selling soundtrack and everyone looks so cool and hot in the poster and everyone's saying like this movie's so much fun. Yeah. Bob Dole goes like, so what? It's a commercial for heroin that makes heroin look great? I don't think your takeaway from this movie is. No. Gotta try heroin. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it balances the two things out. No, it's like right, the, yeah. the point of Boyle's trying to get it. Like, it's how the movie gets away with it. There's, There's a reason people do it in the pops. first place. Yeah, right. right. I mean, I always think in that movie, Beautiful Boy, which is bad, in my opinion. Uh-huh. But, like, there's that moment in Beautiful Boy where he talks to his dad. Yeah. He's, Steve Carell movie? Steve Carell and Timothy yeah. Chalamet. Timothee Chalamet. Timothee Chalamet. And he's like, Dad, I'm doing heroin. And Steve Carell's like, you shouldn't do heroin. And he's like, but... And I'm like, there's no... There's Very no, bad, no good, don't There's no more to the but. Like, yeah. he's not going to be like, no, you don't understand. It's really like, I'm really enjoying literature with it. Like, you know, like, yeah, there's something yeah. you could say. You can't just sort of be like, ah, come on, Dad. Like... Heroin's fine, you know. Like, you didn't listen to the West Bentley uh, WTF, did you? I, no. I'm getting no. deep back in WTF and texting you when I listen to good episodes. Yes. But the West Bentley one's really good. Unsurprisingly, on a podcast hosted by Mark Maron, most of the West Bentley one is about drug addiction mm-hmm. and them talking about getting over their stuff. And Maron ben- didn't have l- thirst for Hunger Games behind the scenes gossip. <laughs> Truly does not come up one time. I can't imagine. It's it great because yes. you're like, that's the only interviewer who would not mention it right. once. Uh, but... Bentley insists, and listening to it in full, I'm inclined to believe him that he never enjoyed heroin. Mm. That he, like, Marin was like, well, no, but of course it's the thing, and you tried the first time, it's amazing, and after that, it's terrible every time. And he was like, even the first time, I didn't like it. Mm. He Mm. was like, it never worked for me. It truly was just, like, self-destructive pattern. There were Mm. other drugs I enjoyed taking. By the time I hit heroin, I never got any high out of it. Mm. But, like, Marin won't stop interrogating that because he's like, that's impossible. If heroin wasn't that good the first time, no one would take it. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't that good for the first stretch, no one would take it. Mm. And Bentley's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm an anomaly. My brain's weird. Whatever. It doesn't take. But this movie understands. It's like, right, there has to be, like, radical highs to this thing. Yeah. Mm. There have to be these ecstatic sort of moments. I mean, the of, way that they're acting when they take it is like it's like horny and like yeah. heaven. The and kiss, it, so the kiss at yes. the beginning, very nice at the beginning. Yeah. There, um, obviously, especially you know, Renton is very androgynous in general as well. He's kind of this like they kind of all are, which is yeah, you know, that's the part that is just. I mean, it's and also like you know everyone like all european men the sort of like bi bi romantic aspect of like masculinity in every other country that's like Mm -hmm. coded and confused but still we all went to boys school yeah i mean i don't know where renter went to school but i went to a boys school well and then also begbie is like well but the scene so he's like maybe gay you know what i mean there's there's a read on that character that scene is interesting because i sort of vaguely remembered it but then when it came up i was like oh is this gonna be like every fucking movie in the 80s and right. 90s where there's some scene involving a trans person yeah. in some way. Right. Gotcha. And you're like, ugh. Yeah. You know, the Crocodile Dundee yes. thing, right? Right. Where you're like, why is this even here? And instead, that scene plays out over a monologue of Renton being like, I don't know, man, sexuality, it's like, yeah. it's kind of just like a total spectrum and like, you know, right. whereas, and Begbie's freaking out, but you're like, oh God, this guy's like it's, so it's, internalized. And it's about, it's it's so about Begbie instead of yes. about like the trans person and the crocodile. Right. Like it's about yes. like, and oh, it, okay. It's you know? one of those scenes that actually serves to make you understand how uh, a dangerous, unhinged, and miserable Begbie is. Totally. 
No, I think he, that guy's normal and chill. I'd love to yeah, hang out with yeah. him at a pub, especially if he's got it's his knife. A funny character. Like, <laughs> I, 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 that's a character that I couldn't. When I was younger, it made me. I was like, that's a bummer, that guy. And then rewatching, I'm like, it's really funny. He's like, funny. I, he's so it reminds funny. me of um. I want to write a character like that. Like, in, did you watch Titan? Like, just like yes. somebody who just can't stop killing. It's yes. just so funny. It's like it's just like sit down. It's so funny stop that she's killing. like addicted to killing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, movie. and also no one prepares you for everyone to, in Titan when you're. It's like right. it's about this woman who's almost like become a car or a machine you're like right. cool no one mentioned to me it's like also she just, just right feral she, <laughs> she makes out with someone she's sort of like she i don't want to put yeah. this chopstick in your head <laughs> um i had seen the full monty by the time because full monty oh, comes out a year later yeah i must like by the time i saw train must have been the same for me as and well. i remember yeah. the first time i saw Transport, like holy shit he is so intense and scary and interesting right. in this movie like you know, oh i forgot he's, oh, right. he's such he, a sweet yeah, yeah, yeah. full monty he's but like, also you know. it was that weird thing of like these two movies so fucking humongous back to back and then it felt like it's like, I guess Robert Carlyle's a movie star? Right. And then no one really knew what to do with He's him. He's had a great yeah. career. He had, Especially in Britain. But there was a period there where it was like he was being put in a lot of American films and no one could really figure out where to place him. Mm -hmm. Ravenous. Ravenous? Is he in Ravenous? Is Plunkett McLean? Oh, yeah. Well, that Plunkett McLean, which is him and Johnny Lee Miller. Yeah. That was more of that effort of like, can we like just make a British hit that crosses over all the time? And yeah. that's one of those where it's like, no, 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 no one wants to watch Did that. he play Hitler too? He did a Hitler and everyone was like, why would he play Hitler? Well, because he fucking looks like Hitler, not in like face, but like he's light. Yes. Like, you know, he's like a little weedy guy, you know, Hitler, the rise of evil. Boy yeah. was saying that his first instinct was Thank to... God it wasn't called Hitler, the rise of good. No. I wouldn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Almost <laughs> was. Hitler, the rise of what? Evil? Oh, okay, good. Yeah, no, no, no. You got it. You nailed it. Right. Um, Rise of the Guardians? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually separate. It also happens in the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, um, what was I going to say about Carl? Oh, Boyle said when he read the book, he pictured Begbie looking like Eccleson. Mm. And he was Chris like, Robinson, oh, I should cast Eccleson, my friend who I've worked with. Right. And then he got really into the idea of Carlisle. They offered to Carlisle. Carlisle basically turns it down. He's like, I'm too small to play this guy. Right. He, I that's can't. who it would be, though. Yeah, it's, it's like that the, was the wiry little fucker. It's going to be a little like, guy. Yeah. He was like, no, you were right the first time. It should be someone tall like Eccleston. He's like, it's this, the short psychos who are the scariest. Yeah. Also, yeah. Carlisle is Scottish and Eccleston is not. Everyone sure. in this movie is Scottish except for Johnny Lee Miller. Okay. Who, and, and to me, it's very noticeable that Johnny Lee Miller is doing like a so-so accent. And everyone else is doing it. His a, weird doing, Connery thing. Yeah. What, so Johnny Lee Miller is British? Yeah, he's like a posh boy. Right. He's okay. a, he, which... He has that, that fits. spirit, right. too. It is so funny that he is now currently playing the Prime Minister of England at the time this movie came out, John Major, who is, is like... really? On the crown. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, who is the most, like, square yeah. British Prime Minister ever, and that's... There's competition yeah. for that throne. Squarest British Prime Minister. <laughs> uh, but it's just... Yeah, it's just ironic that uh, he now plays John Major. Anyway, John Hodge. Mm -hmm. While... Let's, let's going back to this. He's working on a life less ordinary post... Uh, shallow grave like okay. that is his oh that's imagined okay. next project yeah um they hand him train spotting and he's like okay i'll do my best like because it's not a book that screams <laughs> adaptation he says like everything is uh you know basically like once in this thing mm -hmm. um so he he waters down the slang he says i can't we can't actually like do this. <laughs> yes yeah um and he makes rent in the narrator as we said mm -hmm. he's like this guy has to be the narrator uh and he also feels like this is Irvin Welsh 
like he thinks like, oh sure like this is probably the character does the book have the a narrator or is it just no it's yeah. vignette yeah. right well it's that's like smart that's, I, I read it it's a, a smart years ago. fix the book's weirdly narrated by morgan freeman <laughs> <laughs> rise Since of the time penguins hitler memorial. rise of the penguins man has done heroin <laughs> um uh the hugest inspiration on the voiceover. Can you guess what what zippy movie from the '90s might have inspired this movie? In the '90s? Oh, because I was gonna say Clock with a narrator. Orange. But '90s zippy. What movie has a narrator the whole fucking time? Yap yap yap. Minute rules. Goodfellas. Oh oh oh. oh yeah. Oh, Makes obviously. so much sense. Yes. Like you yes. know, and they're so like they were like, let's do that because like it's one of those things where it shouldn't work. Yes. Like, it shouldn't work. Like, Goodfellas, it's like, it feels like the laziest thing was like, anyway, so that's Jimmy and that's Tommy. And you're like, this is lazy, but it works, obviously, in Goodfellas. Because Goodfellas is about a guy who can't shut the fuck up. You know, it's about guys who can't shut the fuck up. Cook energy, yeah. Exactly. And the the book is set in the 80s, but they were like, no, it should be set right now. Like, it needs to have this kind of like, you know contemporary feeling but so that's where that they, the, the music is where right. they're really and the music the is organized chronologically it spans like 10 years of mm-hmm. british music even though the movie's not supposed to take place over 10 years it does feel 80s though like there was a moment where i had to like double check and be like this was 96 though right like there is a, well you know britain's slow yeah at like looking cool mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it's a little behind yeah but i feel like they invented a lot they that did time they do Anyway, uh, Channel 4 Films, give them carte blanche. Okay. Another word for that might be blank check. Mm-hmm. And by a blank check, I mean about 1.7 million pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so not a blank check, but for them, a lot of money. Uh, six weeks? Uh, yeah, I think seven, six seven or seven weeks. weeks like yeah. fat, you know, um, but... Uh, One of these things that would now be a, an absolute luxury. Yeah. Especially if you adjust sure. that budget for inflation, but even without, it's yeah. still more than most get. Even getting money would be a luxury. And getting any money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the um the, uh, the another financier at one point swooped in and was offering more money, but they said you have to get that toilet scene out. It's so gross. <laughs> and they were like, "No." It was a toilet company. Uh, yeah, right. It, it was Bob's toilets. They were <laughs> They're like, like we "Can't do that." Bob's toilet sparkles. <laughs> I, uh, I had and so not, they went back to Channel Four. Said I hadn't seen this movie in uh, since high school. So right. we're talking almost twenty years. Close to twenty now. years, probably. And I, I remembered so much of it so vividly, but I, I, there were things I was surprised by the order of when things happened or yeah. how. The fact that the toilet scene happens under 10 minutes right into the, the movie. Right at the start. And it has a, like, the, the angelic thing of, like, going underwater. It feels yes. like it's some sort of come to Jesus, Jesus that should happen, like, three-fourths into the movie. Yeah. But it's a, it's a, because the movie's about trying to kick the hat. It makes sense, though. It's like about Absolutely. trying to start fresh. And this is a movie where they start fresh at the beginning and not at the end. It is just such a bold thing to do. And and part of Boyle's whole take on this of like, I'm not going realistic. Yeah. You know, he can literally crawl into the toilet. His whole body can fit down so there. Mm-hmm. It can look like the fucking Sarlacc pit. And it happens so quickly. So quickly. And takes you out of reality. So quick. Right. It's so clever. It's the most Terry Gilliam he's ever yes. been. This movie yes. is like more Terry Gilliam than Danny Boyle in a lot of ways. Or it's Danny, Danny Boyle doing Terry Gilliam. The image of him coming out of the toilet and spitting the water out. That's like... Yeah. In every montage of a British yeah. movie, like montage, like just you know, the the final foot sticking so out. Cool. Yeah, the there's converse, certain images yeah. like that that are just so clever. The him sinking as well. It's yes. later when he sinks and we're the carpet we're the perfect day sequence yeah. is amazing. So um, there is a moment where like an inch of his body is like farther out of the toilet than the hole, and uh-huh. it, every time I watch it, I'm like, oh god, like one more take. Like they almost they did it. The money. That's another thing I read though. That most of this movie was was One first take. take used. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because they just didn't have time. Great Especially with these setups. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that's impressive is you can imagine Boyle not wanting to scale down his ambition, going like, "No, we're putting the camera here. 
We're yeah. doing this move. Everyone's got to be on point. They had two weeks of rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Another insane luxury that no one gets anymore. But that's the biggest thing where you're like, all these actors were so fucking on point. Well, there's almost no coverage in the whole movie either, yeah. too. There's like in the scene after Tommy dies when they're all at the diner together, there's just some like kind of, I mean, it's still like shot, very considered shots, but they're like, you know, covering people at the table. It's the only, every other time it's like, we're going to be in this fisheye and yes. you're going to do the scene right here and it's only going to be in this take or whatever. Yeah. So, you McGregor, they give him the script, they're not offering him the role. But they okay. give him the script, and he loves it. And they go, can you just uh, staple this for us? <laughs> exactly. You make us some copies, Goldenrod. Yeah. And he says he later figured out that John Hodge thought he wasn't right for Renton. So okay. he lost a ton of weight. He lost two stone, which uh-huh. is like 25 pounds. Um, two rocks. Yeah, two rocks. Two stones. Yeah. Well, I remember reading an interview with him, and it's in here lost in the research. Where he said, like, I just stopped out. drinking beer. I mean, he was like in his mid-20s. He yeah. was just like, the weight just fucking fell off of me. Yeah. And then he shaved his head. If I stop drinking beer, will I look like him? Definitely. Probably. And uh, and, he, and he showed up like with his shaved head looking skinnier and was yep. like, eh? And they were like, all right. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. He says, my wife was my dietician. I stopped drinking beer and the weight fell off me. Uh, wow. Good for you, buddy. Mm. And then uh, they start to work with um, this recovery group, Carlton Athletic, who are the, right. the f- yes. opposing football players mm-hmm. in the uh, football scene. And at one point, Ewan McGregor is like, should I just do heroin? Like, I'm playing a heroin addict. I'm an actor, right? And John Hodge apparently was a doctor. Mm -hmm. Yes, he was. Yes, So, like, he was like, maybe John Hodge could just get me some, you know, morphine or whatever, like, get me something. Uh, And those guys were like, don't fucking, like, or actually, I think it was more just he was hanging out with those guys and he'd be like, it would be so disrespectful of me. Yeah, to just be like, Play ah, around. fuck around with some heroin because like these guys have been through so much. They, like, they taught or, yeah. him how to cook heroin. He said right. the big thing that helped him was just spending enough time around heroin that it got normalized to him that he wasn't like scared mm-hmm. to be in the presence of it in order to act out all these scenes. There's a great Boyle quote where he was like, you know, people have this question about like, can I, can I make this movie? I haven't done heroin. Do I need to do heroin in order to know how to make this film? And he's like, people don't murder people in order to make That's movies true. about murder. And That's 30% true. of all what if movies they do? Yeah. are about murder. Yeah. Yeah. People aren't gay to play gay. Never. <laughs> Jews never play Jews. That's anyway, true. go on. Yeah. As we mentioned, there had been a stage version of Train Spotting yes. in Edinburgh. Ewan Brebner had been in it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like he really had any problem with playing Spud. No. Uh, he he said, happy to do it. Right? You can feel he had no problem. Yeah. yeah. He's like effortless. He's got a great dick. He does have a great dick. And he's yeah. got no problem doing anything in life. No. You gotta when give you that, that dick When you flowers. got that. Yeah. yeah, well. That's that's what should happen in that scene. Shirley Henderson should say, let's see what we're working with. Pull the sheets down, look at the dick, and hand him flowers. And leave a yeah. bouquet of flowers next As to an, the dick. Uh, like a sound sound of like an audience claps. I gotta say, it's a pretty good dick. Kelly McDonald, they just had like a fucking cattle call. She'd never acted before. Never acted before. They held it at the University of Strathclyde. Uh, hundreds of women's, came, you know, came, mm-hmm. hundreds of women's came in. Of Binders women's. of women. Binders filled with women. And they basically were like, we need to find someone who is one, over 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Two, will read as over 18 years old, mm-hmm. but then we'll read. You can also believe it as, if like, we pull the rug on it. Yeah. Right. You know who else has done that? Griffin Newman. Uh, that was so they, the career they, for a while. They pluck her out of nowhere and yeah. she goes on to have an incredible career. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, one of, it may be quietly my all-time crushes. So yeah. I can see why. Uh, and, 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 and also, cute everything. together. Thank you. I saw that she's separated now. Mm. Um, Sorry but, to what, hear that, Kelly. 
but hey. She, well, apparently she got separated five years ago. Oh, she was, oh, she was for many years from the guy from Travis. You know, the Scottish band yeah. Travis. I know of, I'm not like a big fan. They're okay. Yeah, Ma- maybe she wants with, to be with, with the guy from Blank Check with Griffin and David. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite actors too, though. But this, what Love an her. incredible debut performance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. And uh, they shoot the film mostly working out of a cigarette factory in Glasgow. This film is set in Edinburgh. It, most of it shot on stages. Which, mostly shot on stages. You know, stages. a movie of this budget size yeah. would usually try to save that money and put it elsewhere. What do you think was stages? What do you think was cigarette factory? Uh, what what would have been a stage? Well, st- they built stages in the cigarette, the cigarette factory. factory. I was oh, watching oh, okay, this behind okay, the okay, stuff. Okay, sure. yeah, right. yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a yeah. big abandoned, yeah. like 15,000 yeah. totally. square foot thing. So they thing. were using that, but almost all of the interiors are... Sound stages. Like, like the crash are, are pads built. feel very like sound totally. stages. But also for His Boyle, bed, childhood it's bedroom. Like being able to build it, A, not only build it to the exact dimensions and art direct it the way you want to mm-hmm. and all of that, uh, but also just for all the shot setups he wants to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. so much easier to rig And all the red up. lights coming in yeah, through, through the windows. It works. <laughs> like, because it Perfectly. does, it feels like they live in a makeshift place. It's like, unreal. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. It should, it works. Apparently, this sort of, this is a gigantic abandoned cigarette factory. Mm-hmm. They would all rollerblade around. Cool. Uh, just having fun. Very 90s. The best images is from Danny Boyle. People used to rollerblade on the upper floors while we were shooting, and we would have to tell them to stop because they were making noise. In fact, Johnny Lee Miller and his girlfriend at the time, Angelina, Angelina Jolie, Jolie okay. would be fucking rollerblading up a storm, and they'd be like, can you kids keep it down? It is. Wow. It somehow It's one of those things that this just... Is, he's getting this after hacker. I was going to say, that doesn't make sense. I know. I know that's the reality yeah. of the thing. Yeah. He's like a vague name, as is Ewan, obviously. Right, but he's almost more the money guy I mean, he, lending his clout, right? Yeah. His Basically, his first two roles in movies are playing a character called Zero Cool and then Sick Boy. <laughs> and then marrying Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Way to hit the ground running. They fu- they got fully married. This See, I, I like kind of don't know the Johnny Lee Miller, Did, Angelina. Right? Yeah, they were fully married. Yes, they were married for three years. Uh, they broke up in 1999. I think they 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 broke up after like 18 months. They, they divorced in 1990. Started getting married for right. three years. At a, it's they, so they were cool they were together to like, for a while. They got married very quickly, and then she basically leaves him for Billy Bob. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then they had a normal and chilled relationship that the press was not that interested in. <laughs> normal. <laughs> um, there's that there's that insane Angelina Jolie quote where she's like, "People think I'm really sexual. In reality, I've only slept with three men." And I'm like, "Do you actually want us to believe?" Mm-hmm. That the only three people you have ever slept with are Johnny Lee Miller, Billy Bob, Billy Bob Thornton, and Brad Pitt. <laughs> no one has that life. <laughs> I with believe nothing it. Nothing in between. I believe it. I believe it. I think. I think everything else has been. She might have said four. She might have left one mystery person. Well, we know who that was. Right. Well, her, her brother. <laughs> right. That was a, right. That was the whole thing where they were like, she's got this normal thing going with Billy Bob. Nothing weird there. But then she's obsessed with her brother. Um, anyway. She kissed him at the Oscars. Glasgow is the grimier Scottish city. That sure. is like the, in in some ways, cooler. Mm-hmm. City. This film, the book and the film is set in Edinburgh. Sure. And you do see it when they're running. Mm-hmm. That's that's really the only part of Edinburgh you're seeing. Uh-huh. The rest of the movie they shot in Glasgow. It's just weird that it's actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian Tufano shoots this movie who shot Shallow Grave, who's like a legendary old British cinematographer. Oh, it's amazingly yeah. shot. Looks yep. incredible. Looks incredible. really, really good. Yeah. Um, and they have all these complicated things they want to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, obviously, camera's just moving around like crazy. The the, the scene outside is so cool. Uh, uh, when they're running. When they're the running double, down yeah. Princess yeah. Street. Yeah. 
I mean, his whole cold turkey sequence is like, yeah. I mean, it's as iconic as you can get. The, the whole the bedroom stretching. Yes, yeah, stretching. And the, the, yeah. the train wallpaper. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing with that sequence is like, it's one of those things where the baby looking fake is almost to its advantage because it's so nightmarish. I think like, it's the same as the the apes at the beginning of 2001. It's like, yeah. it, mm. there's a weird, uh, I don't know, ecstatic truth to the way they feel. It reminds me of the baby face mask in Brazil too. It's yes. got a little bit of that. Like, I feel like that was weird an aesthetic bulbous. that was happening with babies around the 80s I also think into the it, 90s. It looks like... The, not the Muppet babies, but when there were human babies on the Muppets. It's got yeah, it's got something in that was in the zeitgeist, I it think. That like we're not foam. connecting with right. now. It looks you know? like a real life garbage pail kid. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yes. The cheeks are too big yes. and too rosy. Yes. Too cir- circular. Everything is too round. There's a sequence in the book where uh the lads are walking through on a Brit night and they're imagining themselves as vampires. Uh-huh. Uh, and Danny Boyle is like, that is the one thing I wish we had the money to include because I was going to like sh- uh, shoot it and uh, put Iggy Pop's nightclubbing over it. And like, it was going to be like a whole cool thing, but we like did not have the money for there, that. There's mm. the Muppet Show character, Bobby Benson, his baby band, where he's like this sleazy sort of like exploitive show busy guy. And he's I got a band, the babies that I don't play. Know where he's Doesn't like... it look like the Muppet, yes, right? Fully. Like this one in particular, yes, sure, the I feel like. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's, oh, they're freaking. Uh, yeah. yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, they're very I follow freaky. I follow a lot of like special effects Instagram accounts, and they just recently did they like whoever made the baby. They like had a mm-hmm. thing, and it just oh really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. It was like a mechanical. Yeah. The other funny thing, and I like this. Mm-hmm. One of the last things they shoot is the um, sequence where um, Sick Boy and Renton are in the park, and they're taking the pot shot at the dog, and they're just being little fuckers. That's one of the last things they shoot. So Ewan McGregor's finally comfortable drinking again because he's like, all right, I can start oh, drinking without right. putting on weight, like worrying about my weight It was like me eating garbage plate the morning after I wrapped on this movie. Exactly. So yeah. apparently they had been drinking so much the night before and they are so hungover, which really reads in that scene. Yeah. They seem very tired. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is perfect for the scene because it's yeah. supposed to be like strung out and like yeah. not, yeah. Anyway, I just really like that. Should we talk through the plot a little bit? Kind of been jumping around, but I just feel yeah. like, yeah, let's, just let's try to go some through of the scenes in order. I mean, so a bunch of guys live in Leith, which is a tough neighborhood in Edinburgh, coastal. Public housing, would you say? Like, it's, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. I yeah, think they're all maybe squatters even. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's more the vibe I get is like almost like there's some abandoned apartment that they're, or, or whatever, or it's Mother Superior is squatting and they just kind of hang out there. I like his look. I uh, like he's wearing a leather vest, yeah, no yeah, shirt yeah. underneath. Peter yeah. Mullen. Peter Mullen is the best. This is the we, guy from Top of the Lake. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I remember the the gangster from the first season. Yeah, from the first yeah. season. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. One and I best. like how he just like just is all anytime someone's like, I'm gonna get clean, he's like, No, you're not. It's like God. <laughs> they cut out this whole plot line with him where he loses his leg and then he tells them he's gonna go to like Bangkok hmm. and become like a, a, a sort of a beach prequel. Yeah, and then they find him later in the subway, like begging for money. Right? Oh wow, that's yeah. too that's too many people. Yes, having, that was the exact. Like, they were too just hard like, a point. Too many people yeah. have yes. fallen. Yes, exactly. They were like it was a double beat after Tommy died. I yeah. like that it. He makes no sense. Where yeah. you're like, how does this continue to operate? He has like a little machine to check their you know pound notes, right? Yeah, where yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. authentic. <laughs> he's got a little ultraviolet light, and like as they say, like he shouldn't be alive. 
Like, well, how is this thing. guy this yeah. old? Like, the yeah. heroin doesn't end well, right? Not, no one not is just like, yeah. and, he, and he just kept doing heroin until he died of old age, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the fact that they have this one guy in their friend group who's like got a decade plus on them mm-hmm. and is still like relatively high functioning by their standards and is doing as much heroin as them gives them the 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 carte blanche, the blank check, if you will, to mm. keep doing. It's a little heroin. bit of a sure, like, you know, like I could be like that guy. But I mean... Uh, which I feel like is what, you know, yeah, cigarette smokers too, where they're like, I don't know, some people do do okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll be like that person. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- there's a little bit, I mean, I don't know a lot about, the things I'm addicted to are like self-hating thoughts and pulling my hair out. So I I'm mean, not, same. <laughs> Big same. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm, I think I'm lucky in that I don't think I have a lot of disposition for like being addicted to external things. Chemical, for, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But like at least in watching The Real Housewives, Mm -hmm. like, they're all alcoholics. And the reality TV dynamics of seeing a group of alcoholics not being able to... Like, it's like, we actually should not talk about alcohol at all because we're going to really start to quantify everyone and pit each other against each other. Like, it just feels like there's a lot of, like, once you open that door, everyone's going to get upset and triggered in a different way. And, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of... There's a little bit of that in this movie, too, where it's like... Every when when written goes back to doing the drugs to test, and then when he goes into the bus bathroom and does more of them, and everyone's like judging him. There's like a judgment internalized thing that happens. Right. I like that we really have no sense of why these people are friends. We just get that they're friends. They've been friends forever. Like they've grown up together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Renton. No one else will have them. I think. I think that's a huge part. That is what right. They are clinging to each other as they right. But like that, you know, Renton, Spud, Sick Boy, those guys are just and Begbie Mm -hmm. for different reasons. They don't have a lot of smiling just at the recitation of their names. And then Tommy is their sort of like quote unquote normal friend who's still just kind of like nice enough to sort of hang out. I guess Tommy makes me feel like uh, this whole world, this whole town is bad. (laughs) Like like if Tommy has to hang out with them and like his girlfriend and the other girlfriend are out yes. it's like this is actually like there aren't a lot of options this in this rough. town <laughs> i everyone in this movie had such a sort of career explosion and kevin mckid yeah. was one of those things where it's like ah it sucks for him he's in that cool movie and he has the most boring part in a way sure. and it was so nice when he did finally have the second act i know Grey's his Anatomy. second act was mostly him being on Grey's Anatomy for a billion but years you know the oh. other thing right uh, that he's handsome and uh, he took me on a date once no oh. i don't know no. He very nearly was thor Yes, I know he, which, you know, I could see it. Matthew Vaughn was supposed to direct Thor originally, and his pick was Kevin McKidd. And then when Vaughn dropped out, he still stayed in it. Mm. It very nearly happened. You can see the concept art that was done for the movie was done with his likeness. It's one of those things, I think. It's Grey's Anatomy, Kevin McKidd, like peak Grey's Anatomy. He had just come back and he had been doing, was he on Rome or something? Like he had done a couple sort of. Sword and sandals type things. He was in Kingdom he of is, Heaven. He is on Rome, isn't he? Yes. He yeah. So it made sense to be like, oh, now he's reestablished as a hunk. Yep. He's done some of these period things. Have him play Thor. I think I I think probably better for everyone, including him, that he did play Thor. I don't think he would have wanted to. That have, all worked out. Yeah. yeah but but it's a wild yeah. thing to consider, especially right. like he's Poseidon in Percy Jackson. He got to play his that's, god. That's, that's, At the end of the day, yeah. he got to play you his god. What? Thor adjacent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very Thor adjacent. Yes. Um, but, but he's uh, also right. he's the one who's not in the poster. He's not on the poster. He doesn't have a cool name. He's just yeah. Tommy. Tommy. He's not sick boy. Yeah. Yeah. 
What's your name? Tommy. I'm sick boy. Nice <laughs> yeah. to meet you. Healthy boy. <laughs> um, but I do love that there's like no peer pressure. Like they love hanging out with this no, guy. No, they don't yeah. want him to do that. They yeah. really don't want him to. And the film begins pretty much with Renton being like, fuck this shit. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. I'm done. Over. And of course, with the narrator vibe of him being like, this isn't going to work out. But like. That's Whatever. why it's so sad when Tommy like begs to do I it because no one has been pushing him to do it. It's all him, and it's all Renton's fault. Although yeah, Renton really has is. no yep. memory, basically. No. of and like I do love that the casual, whatever misanthropic thing Renton being like he made a sex tape. I'm gonna steal it, watch it, get kind of bummed out, not really think about it again, and then that just like explodes destroys Tommy's life. his life. Yes. Yeah, yes, thoroughly, and also gives us a really great joke where. When Tommy's having sex and watching, you know, that famous goal from the 1978 World Cup. Could you imagine, though, like, if you're a 17-year-old girl fucking some 28-year-old, like, from what's-her-face's point of view, Kelly McDonald's, like, Diane. As as this old man is coming, he's talking about, like, sports scores. I haven't felt that good since blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, God. <laughs> and her parents think it's cool. I love her parents. I love how, like, tired they are. It's, I love all the parents in the movie. They're all also, just, like, so tired of being so alive. Tired, but her parents want to be seen as hip. Like, yeah. the way they're yeah, so they're like, by the, like, the flatmates. Flat so yeah, yeah. That's good. I'll write that down. <laughs> right. Yeah. James Cosmo, people probably know him as, plays Renton's dad. Okay. He's in Game of Thrones. Yeah, he looks He's Who's been he a million other things, too. Hmm? He played one of the thrones? No, he was the, he's the Lord Commander of the Watch, the right. Night's Watch. Okay. Gior Mormont. Okay. But yeah, they're just sort of like, yeah, we told you you were stupid. Mm-hmm. We always knew you sucked. They're all such betas, too. Like, all the yeah. parents are just these, like... They're always just sitting at the table. Yeah. yeah. Well, they embody sort of what the movie opens with. It's the sort of, But like, they, they don't want to be tuned out. They've yeah. given yeah. up. They're just, like, sort of boring, watching TV, They'll eating do anything disgusting to avoid that life. beans for yes. breakfast all the time. These disgusting but beans. Isn't, isn't it similar to Clockwork Orange, where, like, you're like, oh, right, their parents are, like, right there. You know, it's like, yeah. this isn't a movie about right. someone who's, like, doesn't even know his parents anymore. He, like, lives right. with them, sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And they're like, do you want some eggs? And he's like, no, I'm really full on all the heroin I do. Nom, nom, nom. Anyway, pretty quickly. Weird that scene where he eats heroin with a fork and knife. It looks so good, though. Yeah. Cooks it up with some black pudding. Uh, so there's sort of the, like, Renton tries to quit heroin thing. Mm-hmm. He, like, nails a wooden cross to and the And then immediately door. takes it fucking down because he has to get one more hit. That's right. just yeah. so, like, cartoonish and funny. Yeah. Once again, this uh, is The cold. buckets. So first Gets 10 suppositories. minutes. It's I like, know. Zip, 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 zip. Yeah. Uh, and then the toilet. The suppo- suppository is so hot. When he just, like, sticks suppositories up his skinny jeans ass. Right. There's He's- something about it that I was... I remember, like, being, like, 15... And being like, I'll never forget this. I hope someone asked me about this in a college dorm room yeah. someday. And I can <laughs> <a> speak <laughs> yeah. whatever those are. Yeah. But like, he's mildly annoyed about it, but he's not exactly like, all right, well, I'm going to throw those away. He's like, yeah, all right, yeah. how do I yeah. get this Take what you can ass? get, yeah. The whole toilet sequence is so good. Yeah. In that you are, especially imagine in a theater. Oh. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to see this movie. Ten minutes in, he's diving into a toilet, the worst, grossest toilet and you're like, what is going on? That and then the there's the scene weird... I remember my parents describing. Yeah, to me. right. Because it's so mm-hmm. like, especially in '96. And I was like, I don't understand how that scene could be in a grown-up movie right. and not a sketch from all that. <laughs> and not yeah. Conquer's Bad Fur Day, right? right. <laughs> Nintendo video game. <laughs> yeah. And like, but then what I love is when he's in the water, it's suddenly kind of dreamy and quiet, yeah. and you're suddenly yeah. actually like given a moment to chill out. Very like, White like, Lotus. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. And he and he gets the big pills. I like how big they are. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what I'll say about the boys from Train spawning send them to the white lotus (laughs) 
That's season three. Season three. I think it's time to send them to the White Lotus. That would be funny if it was literally just them. Just Renton, Sick three. Boy, Bagby. That's, yeah, that's T3. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the the scene leading up to that of him walking through the like gambling hall or whatever that mm-hmm. is, like yeah. that's really good. Oh, that and then the scene where like girls are rejecting him, like all the first person camera stuff where yeah. like people are just like, giving him looks are just really, really great. Um, and then he decides to be chill and normal. So he does things like shoot people with BB guns in the park. He well, shoots uh, a dog Johnny, so the dog, dog will attack a person. Yes. While Johnny Lee Miller talks about Sean Connery's Oscar being undeserved. I, I do like that as a character game of just this guy is so fucking obsessed with Sean Connery. It's the only thing he knows how to talk about. Is he, as someone who doesn't know a lot about James Bond, is he right about everything no. he's saying? He's, he's wrong he's about almost everything. Almost all of it. <laughs> Not so that that's his the facts joke. are wrong. His opinions are wrong. Right, sure. okay. He's like anti-pussy galore. He's like, she's not hot. She's got the most pussy of anyone ever. And yeah, of course. And yeah. and and he's like, well, yeah, he's octopussy. De- well, for eight. Eight, but galore is what? A dozen? You're right. <laughs> Uh, and he's down on the Oscar win. It's like, that's not just a career Oscar. Maybe it is. Maybe Sick Boy's that right. That was, I remember, I I saw this movie before I saw The Untouchables, and I took that opinion to heart. I was right. like, like, oh, Sick yeah, Boys, you know, right. fucking. And when I saw The Untouchables, I was like, no, this rules. Kind of popping. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's the early stuff like the stealing of the sex tape, like Spud's sure. uh, job interview, which is so funny great and scene. shot so well yeah, by scene. Danny Boyle. Great performance. It is really, really funny. That's actually a good one to watch with the subtitles. He has because he says so many things so quickly. Your leisure is my pleasure. There's the bit I love where the one time the movie uses subtitles is when Tommy and Spud are talking at the club. Yeah, at the club, they're yelling. Right. Yeah, yeah. That is. Good. And you're cutting to the bathroom where it's what are you quiet talking about? And the women Football? can actually hear each other, yeah, yeah. which right. is literally a clockwork orange like it's a Maloko nightclub. Yes. Yeah, 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 totally. It's uh, the 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 volcano. I believe it's a famous nightclub in Glasgow. The, the sort of the morning after. Uh, you know, uh, Renton realizing he slept with a teenager. Right. Spud with the shit on the sheets. Tommy in the fallout of the sex tape. Yep. That's all like 30 minute mark. Yep. You're like, oh, this has been act one of a tight yeah. 90 minute movie is now like the wheels are starting to come off a little bit for these guys. Yeah. Um, but not yeah. in a way where it's a turning point. Like, no. Like, like him waking up with a 17 year old is just like another day in the life. You it's know? more about in terms of the audience's experience watching the movie you're like this suddenly got dramatically less fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not learning anything. They're not necessarily well, slowing down but right. we're like feeling no. some of the rent coming due on these His guys. His reaction is I guess I'll do heroin again. Right. I guess that wasn't really working out for him. Yeah, yeah. And the right, first five minutes are doing, montage too. It's right. all just like music and montage so you're like this is status quo for them and now yes, we're like the movie's sort of slowing down right the whole fact that like Renton's like well of course I don't do heroin anymore I need to fall in love immediately right now I'm this horny like again. absolute addict like I need the new thing but, mm. but I love that it's just like he's like I've been doing heroin I'm not doing yeah. it anymore heroin makes you constipated now I gotta poop yeah <laughs> alright that's done heroin also kills your sex drive yeah. now I'm horny again mm-hmm. yeah. now that's done first sex scene I've ever seen I had ever seen with some with a condom Oh, he sure. like snaps that moment the condom off. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I remember as like a thirteen-year-old being like, "Whoa, holy like, shit!" Condom. Yeah. Like you know, uh, like you know, full. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tommy, sad, starts to do drugs. What else is happening at this time? The baby dies, yes. and it's this horrible scene that Ben like says is just sort of like. We move on, you know, or whatever, like we just, the plot just sort of keeps going. Well, like, we don't really know who that girl is. In the book, it's clear that she's Sick Boy's girlfriend and that's Sick Boy's baby. I like so that the way the movie does it, though, yeah. where it's ambiguous. You hear Renton saying, like, it wasn't my kid. We never really knew. And yeah. then 
sick boy starts crying too hard. Right. And, and it could have been yeah. set up earlier too. Like he, like in the first couple minutes of the movie, like Ewan McGregor could have been like, and nobody knows who the dad is of that. But right. you still feel like you're getting that information in the same scene that you find out who the dad is. It's that beautiful. there was a mystery and the and you're just with it. It's so intense. And the whole thing of her like crying hysterically and saying like, I need a hit to yeah, stop feeling right. this. Yeah. Like just the, going deeper into and himself. Yeah. It yeah. He well, that, yes. that's in the book. Clearly, he's like. Right. So I gave her a hit. Obviously, I gave myself one first because yeah. like, what is that about? It's just like you I'm just gonna fucking more. go to all the effort of cooking heroin yeah, for somebody. The, okay. Even at this moment of great tragedy, kind of still the, operating. It's, kind of, it's the airplane thing of like, make sure you put your mask on before you put good. anyone else's on. It's <laughs> like if you roll a joint, you're gonna smoke it first and then pass sure. it to the next. Yeah. Sure. No, but the whole point is, it's he's operating from such an extreme place of of selfishness, just like his mm-hmm. his lizard brain being addicted to this shit. That even this woman who like he he should either say no mm-hmm. or he should give it to her first. Yeah. Yeah. Right, he does maybe the least considerate of all options, which is indulge her, but also make her wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the baby's face—that's not—that's not a same day. I can't talk about it. That's not, about that it. wasn't day one. No, uh, in the book, you don't even know how the baby died. It's unclear. They don't know. They don't know. They're sure. you know, they're mm-hmm. so out of it. Then pretty quickly, they get caught shoplifting, and they're sent. Well, Spud is sentenced to prison. Yes. and Renton is sentenced to rehab. Which also it feels like a bit of a class thing. Yeah, maybe there's there there's right there's a mild undercurrent of that. That's oh the Renton. I think, but Renton has the brains to maneuver. He, and Spud he, I think he's he can present himself a little bit better. I also right. think it's like the movie star charm thing. It's sort of yeah, like totally. they look at him and they're like, this guy could get his shit together. Well, and, and you're he like, lies. what's right. what's the Two. best version of Spud? Like to this like yeah, yeah. elitist judge, right? Yeah, he's like Spud is dumb trash. Mm-hmm. And and meanwhile, this Renton guy, I could see him someday making a respectable real estate. When agent. he gives this like political statement too, yes. which is like Spud could never like. Yeah, he says God will that. Yeah, yeah, right. And the judge's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I like I like that the judge isn't like, all right, son. Like he's just great job. Like, he's just like okay. <laughs> um, and then pretty soon after that is when he ODs. Right? Like, I, is mm-hmm. there anything else? Like basically, he just he goes to the rehab. He does some methadone. Uh, well, we guess we skipped over, and it's not really a big. Plot no, point, no, but the right. train spotting, like, or the train okay, so moment that, where that they go out to the country. It's <laughs> called Karur Railway Station. Yeah. It is the most remote station in Britain. It okay. is not on a road. Yeah. You literally only go there if you want to go hiking. That's cool. Or as the Scots call it, I want to get this right, because there, there's a specific Scottish train thing. Spotting. You know, like the famous underpants? Uh, uh, there's a word that Scottish people use for mountains, uh, Munros. They call them so people who uh, Maryland hike, mountains uh, call are called Mungo baggers. Look at these looks. Though. Enough words, you all. <laughs> this is, I think, the iconic. best looks yes. out of all out of the movie. Absolutely, when they all that's go the spud hiking. outfit I love. Yeah, right, you were saying the tight, the skinny yeah. jeans with the blazer and the fluorescent orange. Imagine. God, yeah, they all just look so fucking great. Anyway, I've always wanted to go to that station. It seems really cool. Yeah. Um, Do you yeah. think they put this in the movie just so they could be like, I don't know, that's why it's called Trains. Trains. Uh, well, that is where Renton gives his iconic speech, and I love the speech because he's like, I don't even hate English people. I'm embarrassed for us that they conquered us. They're so lame. Like, it's so shitty that our rulers are these awful fucking tightwad jerks. It's so good. Uh, the most wretched, miserable, servile, pathetic trash that was ever shat into Whoa, civilization. <laughs> we are colonized by wankers. 
Oh, God. It's good. And yeah, then they don't even go on the hike. Tommy, at that point, if I'm Tommy, I'm like, you know what, guys? I fucking planned this whole day for I us. I know. That's when Tommy gives up, though. Yeah. Really, that's the last That's like, he's just kind of like, yeah. all right, I can't get my friends to go on a hike. <laughs> I do love the implication. I mean, outside of just like them all being misfit toys and the fact that their roots probably go deep, it also feels like the other reason Tommy's friends with them is because no one else he knows likes Iggy. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's like he's not a junkie, but he has the music taste of yeah, yeah. one. The, that's kind he of a high school to go thing, to shows too. With them. Yeah. 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 Where you end up sitting with like kids that are, you know, a little rougher than you just because you yes. like the same things. Yes. Know? But pretty much after, the, so the ODing, what's happening there? He goes to Mother Superior, gives him the 20 pound note. Mm-hmm. Mother Superior just throws him in the street, puts him in a, puts well, right. him in a cab. Right. He overdoses- this cab driver is just like, okay. But there's that, that like extreme close up of the heroin where you can see like all the shit in it. Yeah. Right. Going through the, right. Like where you see all that like gross black residue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right. That's sort of the implication. Is like it's particularly nasty. Sure. Like mm-hmm. yeah. And then he sinks into the red carpet, right. mm-hmm. and I love how even you get POV shots, yes. and it's got kind of framed on the edges the red. Yeah, yeah. No, and it, it's stays, it stays longer yeah. than all when the he's in the room. Day. It's yeah. such. A, it's, there's a scene in it, the book it, mm-hmm. um, that it reminds me of, where like. You know how, like, in it, the somebody, one of them, like, kills himself in the tub at the yes. beginning. Yes. Like, the wife finds the the husband in the tub, and it's written from her. I think it's written from her, whatever. Uh, but anyway, like, she like is like shaking, looking at him in the tub, and then she starts to hear like someone be like nine one one. What's your emergency? And she's like, what the hell's going on? And then she like suddenly fades into realizing that she's got she's the, phone the phone in her hand. She's on mm-hmm. the phone, and it. I love whenever like. People are in a state of shock and like yeah. a thing is still hanging on that they you can't process. Like right. that's it's such a good decision for him to like still see the carpet and not be in that room. Yeah. Great. It is good. Uh do you think Lou Reed, do you think they showed in the movie and he was like, You guys diss me in this movie? <laughs> they were like, Hey, can we use Perfect Day? And he's like, You fucking say I'm my solo career is bad. You want to use Perfect Day? It's <laughs> a wrong opinion. Yeah, yeah, it is a wrong opinion. I think it's yeah, probably supposed to be a wrong. Look at Sick Boy, yeah. so annoying. Everything yeah, he Sick says Boy is sucks. kind of annoying. Yeah, I know. It's like using the song almost feels like it's a way to undercut yeah, Sick Boy you, as Sick a character. Boy. Like this was his like his soaring masterpiece. Solo yeah. <laughs> Sick Boy is, was I, early. I yeah. probably because I was raised to be a codependent enabler. I probably mm. would have an easier time being friends with Begbie than Remember Sick Boy. These? Oh, yeah, that was a good bit. It was a good bit. It wasn't. Yeah, David's holding up the underwear. <laughs> you saw it again. That's a great bit. It wasn't. It was confounding and slow. Great. The best kind um, of, the best and, kind and of and blank so that's Podcast, obviously. Yeah. Then that after that, he goes cold turkey. After that is yes. the whole cold turkey. Yes. And and remakes himself as a real estate man. And he's good at it. He's, yes. Well, I like that he's we should, good at it. We, before he moves away, we should talk about Tommy. Yes. Because it's like there's the sequence there's the where Tommy's like... Kind of st- you know, right. section. Like, Tommy's yeah. like, I want heroin, and Renton is like, no, but is also so strung out that he's kind of like, okay, right. Yeah. He, d- he, right. D- he can't put up a fight, but he also doesn't even try, right? Really, and he's again not really even aware of the yes. wreckage he has caused, yes. right? Because he then, visits Tommy before he goes to to London, right? That's the yeah, thing. Yes. When he visits okay. him again, Renton is now actually clean, and yes. Tommy is and the one who's in a horrible tested, state, right? Yes. And and finds out, you know, like he's like, like he unbelievably, I AIDS. don't have AIDS, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, yes, despite the amount of like needle sharing I was. And doing. I like feels how, very like this is happening right now. This new thing, like you have to go get the test. Right. Like his yeah, parents yeah. suggest them that he do it, and then of course, unfortunately, Tommy is the one who has contracted. HIV. I mean, that's the part of the book that makes the most sense. 
being set in the 80s right. that it's mm-hmm. like, oh, there could be an outside force shift of there's now a new thing for you guys to you worry about. You have to be about. aware of this, right? Rather yeah. than if it's in the 90s, it's just sort of a like, oh, these guys are now starting to get more serious, maybe, mm-hmm. you know? It's realistic how unimportant it is to them, yes. too, though. Like, that yes. they're just sort of like, oh, yeah, I don't have it. But also, if you're at... If you're that deep in that life, it's like you yeah. are consciously not taking that test, not thinking right. about it because you don't want to know the answer. Right. It's easier 100%. to live in like the Schrodinger's cat state. Something right. I never yeah. noticed until this watching is there's graffiti all over Tommy's like apartment that is like referencing that he has AIDS, that he is like, I have here, it says AIDS scum is scrawled outside of his apartment. The nurses did that? The nurses? I don't know. They found out. I don't know who did that. I think like think he did it. No, I think it's because he's active in like using drugs still, and like you know, is had someone maybe get angry at. It's like the hobo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know how hobos would draw like like this is a bad person, or like they serve beans here. His door it says infected. Like so, they're basically don't share needles with this guy. Right. I see. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Isn't the hobo code cool? Yeah, I love it. People should do that with people should be spray painted insecure on my door. Hey, wait a sec. Above my bed it says anxious, avoidant. Butter him up. That's all he needs. <laughs> um this is the whole thing with the hobo code. They'd be like, just tell a sad story. You draw like a little crying face. Yeah. Anyway, you know, that's how you get whatever you need. I have a whole book about this that I should lend you, David. It's really great. Is it called the hobo code? For no, dumb, for I forget what it's called, but okay. it's all about for hobo dummies. um. Like, like, the, hieroglyphics yes. is what they right. call Because they had the whole weird, yeah, language. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, he moves to London mm-hmm. and he's having a fairly chill, boring time. Mm-hmm. And then the person you least of this group that you least want to find you Number one. yeah, <laughs> have left But town. the one who would. Absolutely. But the yes. one who would is Begbie, yeah. who is on the run for armed robbery mm-hmm. and is mad because the gun he used wasn't even real. Uh-huh. We forgot the, the scene where Begbie throws the glass over his shoulder yeah, yeah, at the yeah. pub. And then there's a whole flashback about Begbie where they're like, let me explain what an asshole this guy is. Right? And then we cut back to the glass lands on someone's head and he goes downstairs. He's like, who did this? Well, he takes his everybody. knife out and puts it on the table. He's like, I don't need this. Yeah. Oh, God. It's so good. Well, the character introduction, too, is him telling that story at the club that makes him sound cool. And then right. he's like, and then I went to Tommy. And Tommy told me what happened. Like, he was so was drunk like, and fully pathetic. attacks. Yeah, the guy yeah. never even looked over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. he I was, just his back was turned the whole crisps. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and they also all attack a tourist at some point. I don't remember when that happened. That happens that's later. when they that's are later. literally yeah. robbing people and shit. Right. Is like okay, the American yeah, yeah. guy yeah, comes yeah. and is like, right. "Hey, can I use your bathroom?" And they they. Rub but that's hands. the thing where they they're setting Begbie on. They cobo code outside the bathroom, right? Dumb tourist. But, but Begbie holds up the knife and they're like, "No, no, Begbie, no killing. We yes. just want his money." You know, yeah. like that, and that sort of illustrates what Begbie is. Begbie's to like Tatan. Right. He just kind of he kind of loves doing it. Yeah, he does it for the sport of the thing. And so Begbie shows up being a psycho. Sick Boy shows up and he's like kind of trying to be a drug dealer now. Uh, and so then renting gets fired, right? Like, you know, like because they're hanging around again. Yeah, there's a great bit where they're all eating chips and talking and then he just blows up at them selling the TV and they're like, well, you didn't tell us you wanted to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should have like put a post it on. Yeah. I think the the hardest part of the movie is watching them like mess up his apartment. That is so oh, hard yes. to watch. Sucks. It's like... They're, they suck. And then that bit They're bad guests. I wouldn't tell... Yes, they're, they're bad, really bad, bad. guests. They're he moves them into the guests. unoccupied apartment. Yes. <laughs> <And> <laughs> in which... 
instead of hiding yes. while those people come in, like to look for the apartment, they decide to like jump out and be like, ah! Right. Like, they people. got territorial about the place they weren't paying to live in. It's like, just keep hiding for 20 more seconds. You're good. They're like <laughs> yeah. demons. Right. They're like these demons that he can't shake. There yes. is a pile of cigarette packs outside of his apartment that is fucking insane. Oh. That, that yeah. they would just keep throwing it outside. Like, oh. that's where this goes. But it's so funny because you do realize in that moment, like, oh, Rent was being pretty smart about this. He, like, calls it the least desirable apartment. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. He, like, found the place that he knew no one was ever going to take. He sets them up there and it's just like, just hide your shit. And if people come to look at it yeah. on these specific days and times, get out of the way. And instead, as you said, they just fucking jump on them like spider monkeys. Ruin everything. Yeah. Little demons. Little They're demons. bad friends. Bad friends. They really are. This movie could have been called good Bad Friends. Good dressers, bad friends. They are good dressers. Could be called Bad Friends, just like a short I made at NYU that really? never finished. Was it called Bad Friends? Mm-hmm. Wow. What was it about? This was in The Bad Teacher. It was so not worth making. It was about bad some bad Santa. friends who yeah. went to go visit a friend's grave, but they're at the wrong grave. And that's it. It's stupid. That's, that's kind of funny. Though. It was a failure. Um, well, you've gone on to great success. Yeah, but I made that. Okay, well, you know what? You should wear it like a fucking millstone. Um, right after all this is Tommy's funeral. That's when they go back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tommy yeah. dies. Yeah. Of and cat-related... Yeah, yeah uh, it's, but it's like baby too. Like there's something yeah. about when you see the kitten, you're like, no, 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 no. But they don't kill the kitten. You know, the kitten kills him. Yeah, the kitten kills everyone and then walks away with a passport. And but. and the guy, <laughs> the guy that explaining so <laughs> the story to Renton like yes. so callously is like, can you believe this awful, terrible thing while the women cry behind him? It, but it's a similar thing where you're like, oh my god, what another insanely bad thing. Yeah, and the movie is in bummer zone at this point. Mm-hmm. But they still do just kind of go like, all right, so should we try and do a weird drug deal with Keith Allen now? Yeah. Like, you know, like, it's not like they're yeah. like, we have to fucking stop it. Right. Mm-hmm. This is like, this is a clarion call here. Yeah. Tommy is dead. The only good one. Right. Yeah. Sweet little Tommy. Right. Uh, no. Instead, they're like, let's buy some. <laughs> Spud's out. Spud's out of jail. That's it. Spud's out of jail. Mm-hmm. Begby's got comes, a hot He tip. comes into the heroin. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, and Kelly McDonald writes him a letter, too. That, Kelly McDonald is like corresponding with him. Yeah, right. yeah. She's the one being like, here's what's up. Yeah. You know, Begbie's still a psycho. She passes Spud like wasted in the street. That's right. sad. I like that they never sleep together again. Yeah, yeah, me too. She's like a friend. They're just pals. Yeah. She does yeah. give him that brief thing where she's like, if you don't fuck me, I'll call the cops. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Which I, I I respect the aggression of it. Like, yeah. Even though it's a lot. But uh, yeah. But no, I, then I, I wish someone would say that to me. Uh, um... <laughs> Uh, and they do a drug deal with Keith Allen. Keith Allen, mm-hmm. of course, plays the drug dealer in Shallow Grave as well. Griffin, I don't oh, know if you've ever right. seen Shallow Grave. No, I'm excited. I will have seen it by the uh, time. And he's also this episode comes famously out. Uh, the father of Lily and Alfie Allen. Oh, sure. And oh. in Britain, he's one of those fucking guys. Okay, where he's just always on fucking television. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think, Keith Allen? Oh, I think and you're like oh, fucking Keith Allen again. Sure. And then he like made two more Allens. You're like, oh, they're, just, they're multiplying. Tim Allen. Yeah, he, he is he's Tim also Allen's Tim Allen's dad. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, I, I, to be clear, I kind of love Lily Allen, and I and I I, yeah, and I, I, I like Alfie Allen just Tim fine Allen as well. He's the Santa Claus. Yes, um, Keith Allen's really good in this movie, though. Uh, he is. He's, that whole scene is. He's great. really effective as and like. He's supposed to be the, the same... menace of that. Yeah, they were like, well, okay. it'll be funny. Yeah, it's we hard can kind to of imply that. with mm-hmm. characters that are as like kamikaze as the four of them. It's hard to have somebody be scarier than them. Yes. And 
the control that he has is like a good counter. There's that great line in the narration where he says like he could immediately spot us for what we were mm-hmm. like for, yeah. for whatever, however he says it, but like They're four rubes. They don't four know. rubes who lucked into a decent deal, mm-hmm. and then you immediately look back at the guys and they look so ridiculous. Suddenly yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like like yeah. they've dressed up. He's wearing uh, what's his name is wearing the Spud's big got the sunglasses. Like, the big he's got like the yeah. glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he looks like music <laughs> producer Elliot Gould yeah. and Ocean's yeah. Eleven. <laughs> that's his that, that's his tactic yeah oh but they get 16,000 well, they succeed despite is being completely incompetent bad but better than they almost got for being so they're still idiots. making a profit yes right and it's beer. still not that it's much not money. Not no. much money. No. To it's, them, it's a lot of money. For right. the end of a movie, it's right. really not that much. Especially money. if you're thinking that split across four guys. It's really not that for yeah. like a, a one last job. Right. You know, one of the iconic images of this movie is the final shot post credits of Spud finding the money. Yeah. And like, it is funny that it's like, oh, good for him. And you're like, it's not. It's like not that it's much. a little it's bit of money. Yeah. yeah. Pounds. And have you all watched T two yet? I've never seen T two. I, I watched T2. the first thirty minutes. I fell asleep, but I was okay. liking it. But anyway, I won't. I won't say anything. I'm excited uh, to watch it's it. Maybe finally. is it the only Danny Boyle I've never seen? Interesting. No, I've never. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, um, I won't spoil a thing for it, but about it. But I will say you can tell that the four thousand pounds did not last, oh, sure. last over thirty yeah. years or whatever. Also, not to spoil another thing, but there's a second Terminator. Who? No, no, no. There isn't. This time there are two. Yeah. T two transpire. And uh, what yes. is it? Just a, a live He's made man. out of liquid heroin. <laughs> <laughs> keep trying to cook him. And he's like, get off yeah. of me. <laughs> um, In that line, I'll choose life. <laughs> Wait, iconic line. I, I like that Renton's final choice is, you know what? All these guys suck. Yeah. I don't yeah. like them. Yeah. Except for Spud. He's all right. Yeah. I'll leave him money. Yeah. Everyone else, fuck you. Which also- I'm going to make a selfish choice. And I guess I'll be, a, you know, normal now. But he's not like triumphant. I don't even know if he's going to be normal. And you don't even know if he's going to be. I mean, the, the whole shot where the face, where, you know, he he puts the, his face further out of focus and then yeah. his smile mm-hmm. just becomes this weird, like, rictus grin that's, like, yeah. scary looking. Yeah, you don't know if it's, like, well, a happy ending at all. Well, because he watches Begbie, like, lose his mind yeah. one too many times, basically. And, he, and like, then he does the like, old... But even uh, before that, they go to the bathroom. Too, you know, he steals Begbie's... Begbie's. Oh, sure. It, like, it, wait, taking the remote from Al. Very yeah. dicey. Yeah. When he just takes... The, I, would I would never do have no, done no, that. No, no, no. Begbie's gonna wake up and, yeah, just... You should have a, a weapon in your hand. But even when know. Begbie and Sick Boy are in the bathroom, before Begbie flips out on that fucking guy, he's already floating to Spud. Yeah. Should we just run? Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. Spud is so good in those scenes. The scaredness is really good. This is my question. Does he leave the money for Spud in the book? Or do you yes. remember? He does. Okay. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it almost Same felt thing. to it's me like, like ah, a thing Spud of like... anybody. Right. It, it almost felt to me watching the movie like, oh, with Bremner's performance, this is the one character you would feel bad for mm-hmm. as an audience member. This has had attack on a happy ending to the movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, because you're just like, who gives a shit about Sick Boy and Bagby? Mm-hmm. I'm happy Renton walks away from this. You want Spud to have a little win. Yeah. And yeah. he could have, you know, they he could have split the money 50-50 with he Spud. He could have, <laughs> but, he he but he did. Yeah. He gives him his share. Um, yes. No, I think in the book it's only it's just Renton is thinking to himself, like, I'll give Spud his cut because he's all right. Okay. Yeah. Um seeing him get the money is he's got such a sweet face. Yeah. His big glasses. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's interesting because the, like, the euphoria that he's exhibiting at the end 
it, it would be the euphoria that normally you would associate with like, and now I'm out forever. Like yes. I learned the lesson and I realize I'm on the other side of it. But you're like, the thing that gave him the most freedom was like fucking over people that fuck over him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's like the, that's as also, it's not clear gonna, as it's going to get. Not going to last for long. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the end of the film. It's really good. It's uh, a great movie. It's a great it movie. is. Yeah, it's also it's just excellent. incredibly compelling. And it is one of those things where I haven't seen it in years, although I've seen it many times. Yeah. And I was just like, right, I remember like the framing of these shots. Like, I'm, it's like very so many in my things memory. In my mind. Can you- I don't feel like I love the movies, that, like The Snatch and The Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrel. Like movies that in the descendants of this movie, yes. I feel like probably, I haven't seen them in forever. I don't think they're my thing. You know what I, but like. No, I think they're, it's- They're very busy. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy Ritchie is like Danny Boyle dialed up. I think it's also right. very similar to Pulp Fiction, where like you had a wave of American yeah, yeah, movies yeah. copying that, right. and pretty much all of them right. stuck. And obviously, and Guy Ritchie is also inspired by Pulp Fiction and all that. Yeah, as well. mm-hmm. but I, I think yeah. these two movies produced a lot of very Who bad films yeah, in yeah, their yeah. wake. Uh, I don't think those movies are bad. I like Lockstock and Snatch. I haven't seen but them they, forever. Just... They are such cultural snapshot things. Sure. Whereas Train Spotting is too, but Train Spotting is like still like just like incredibly, immaculate. incredibly yeah. watchable. David, can you pull up the quote that JJ texted us? In the middle of uh, compiling his dossiers, he he went to text to spotlight one specific quote for us. Okay. Uh, uh, this is a fun thing to think about with Boyle is the idea he repeats over and over again. Quote, in England, if you're talented, young, and rebellious, you start a band, unless you're tone deaf like me. You take a kind of commercial or rebellious energy of a young filmmaker for granted in America. The energy of youth doesn't go into films in this country. It goes into bands. The guys from Oasis and Blur had gone into film. You'd have a very vibrant industry. Hmm. It's interesting. Right. Britain does make good music. Music brain is very different from movie brain, though. Yes. But... Yes. Well, and obviously, like, making a movie is, like, complicated yeah not that making music isn't hard but there is like you can be a fucking insane person right and still just be just so gifted and interesting and just like get on stage and sing songs and it's like electrifying but you can't just do that with a movie you can be like i have a good idea for a movie here we go you know you have to like get funding and then like storyboard (laughs) scenes and stuff like it's hard but all all english people like can speak you know, like, that's the one thing. Like, music people here can't speak. Like, <laughs> sure. musicians don't know how to, like, talk. Yeah. But, like, anyone in England can just speak <laughs> in a way that Americans can't. But it, but that quote, I mean, it applies for Boyle's whole career, but this is the movie that I think best embodies it, of just him being like, I want to make films that have the energy mm-hmm. that music has in terms of commenting on a moment. And the reason... Films rarely can do that is because it's a much more complicated medium that involves so many more people and so much more money and all of that. Mm-hmm. But that is the magic trick of Boyle is he understands how to convert that energy into his movies from first shot to last shot. That's a great yeah. segue into talking about the soundtrack of this mm-hmm. film, which is Incredible iconic soundtrack. in its own right. Two volumes. Uh, yes. The uh, classic more music. I'd crowd. love it when there's a more music. I love it. Um, where they're just like, just the vibe. I found I was I was used record shopping and I I bought the American Graffiti soundtrack which I didn't have on vinyl and then they also had the soundtrack for more American Graffiti mm. the proper film sequel to American Graffiti but in addition to that they had a second soundtrack album for American Graffiti called More American Graffiti complicated very and that album is not songs that were in the first movie because I think all of them were on the first album. Right. It is other songs from it's the era the yeah. with interstitial introductions by Wolfman Jack, which I thought was so interesting that there's like an yeah. in-universe album that's like another night. Those were the days. Of Wolfman Jack playing playing records. Yeah. Never happened, did it? 
Um, right, tell us some tracks. Yeah, tell David. us some tracks. Irvin Welsh mm-hmm. uh, knew a lot of musicians personally, so he could put them in touch with Danny Boyle mm-hmm. and be like, hey, just give, just, just don't charge, yeah. you know, or like just charge us a little bit of money. Can you let this one go? Um, so Ben, do you want to read some, uh, you got the soundtrack pulled up Yeah, right we there. got Iggy Pop, Lust yep. for Life. We got a Brian Eno song, um, Deep Blue Day. Primal Scream did a train Hell spotting yes. song, like Scream. called Train Spotting. Cool. That's not in the movie though, right? Or is it the Train Spotting song? I believe so. I Which one is that one? You want me to fucking play it? I'm yeah, sorry. What else we got? What's that album called? Okay, we, uh, we have New Order. That's their big album. Uh, great album. Blur. We have, like real. we said, Lou Reed, Perfect Day. We have a pulp song. You got to have yeah. a pulp yeah. song. But, but, but this is the thing, Ben. Yes. And sir. I think this is important. Uh, Left Field, that's another, you know, big electronic act of the time. Mm-hmm. But um, is Dame, uh, Danny Boyle is the one. Like, like Irvin Welsh is the one. Like, let me hook you up with Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know those guys. Sure. But. Danny Boyle is like, no, I also want Primal Scream, Blur, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Pulp. I want music from right now. Like, I want the Britpot stuff. And everyone else was like, I don't know anything about that. But he later is like, that was a masterstroke. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that is British youth culture when this movie coming out. And it helps make this movie feel like it's about British yeah. youth culture. Yes. Uh, the coolest song on the album is obviously Underworld's Born Slippy, yep. mm-hmm. uh, which is the big finale song. So um, good. I recommend being like 20 years old and going to any club in Britain. That song will come on and the entire crowd goes absolutely insane and starts screaming larga, larga, larga at the end. Wow. So good. I've done it many times. There are definitely times where I play that in my car. And when I get to that point, I'm like, I actually have to skip. Like the first, the first like minute is incredible. And then when it's just like a little too much noise, I'm like, I think I have to get out of the song. It's so <laughs> good. It is so good. Uh, and it's perfect ending, right, Griff? Come yeah, on. Yes, Wait, no, what was yes. your look like? Well, maybe we should... What was your look at the dance club? Did you have a pacifier? Don't make Did you have me, glow sticks? Did you go... <laughs> corduroy blazer with no. elbow patches. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Briefcase. The way I ben fucking dress. t-shirt. Because <laughs> first, I think you would go to... Um, you know, you go to clubs. Because the whole thing in college was in Britain, the, cl- the pubs closed at 11.30. Uh-huh. Um, so you would like have to go to the club if you wanted to keep partying, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And so you would go to the club. And in Newcastle, where I went to college, um, which is a famous, famous like town, life for, town. For but the whole music. thing is like, don't you fucking go to the clubs and it's a student on the days you're not supposed to. Every there was always one club that was doing a student night every okay. night. So you could always go to one. But if you went to the other ones with the townies, they had no time for you. I was once called a poof because I was wearing a coat. <laughs> what? In Newcastle, where the, the it is very very cold, sure. and I was and a guy was like, oh, and I was like, what are you saying? He's like, ah, and I like got close to him, and he's like, you puff, why are you wearing a coat? And I was like, what? I, it's like thirty degrees outside, Fahrenheit. <laughs> it's so cold. What are you talking about? And you're anyway, like in some kind of warehouse or just like some uninsulated. I believe I was at the the. I think it's called the pig and whistle, you know, it's some a famous uh, mm-hmm. anyway. But you know, so yeah, but no, I mean, I would fucking, I God knows what I was wearing. You miss it. I don't like, like a you puffy vest, it. maybe? You miss those days. A puffy vest. I do miss them. Maybe no, I... Like you, don't, you, know you don't need this one. Adidas? You don't need this, baby. You know they call it Adidas? <laughs> you go be, right back. I should be back in Newcastle going to digital and see and the tuxedo princess. Sure, you need I remember set up. Names. You need to set up a P.O. box. You need to put a 4,000 pounds <laughs> in there. No, I mean, it was awful. I, I but, but fun as well. Oh, man. You know. Yeah. Very uh, jealous. That sounds so cool. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, Born Slippy, if that ever came out, tune is a fucking tune. It's the best. It's a fucking it's tune. It's a great song. And um, it can never be used again. No. No. 
You no, can't right. ever do it again. Uh, obviously, Underworld does the score for um, Sunshine as well, which is so cool. He like remains. And becomes one of the most used. Yeah, that's right. The, the guy they collaborate, John Murphy, right? The dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll talk about that we'll with such a the big trailer music. Yeah. David Bowie is another one. David Bowie also instrumental, apparently, in putting the soundtrack together. Like, they get him, and he helps with Iggy Pop and Lou wow. Reed. Yeah. Pretty cool. Again, yeah. David Bowie gets dissed by Sick Boy in this movie. Mm-hmm. Fucking weird. Sick Boy's just got bad opinions. I am. I'm interested He's got in, poster's disease. I look forward to listening to you guys talk about Danny Bull, just because he's so weird. And yeah. it's, it, I, there's something I, it's like, I totally get what he's going for. And then I also just kind of don't, like as an overall career. We love such a good eclectic filmography like that, where someone's working yeah. in different genres, where, where their, their misfires yeah. are equally fascinating trying to figure out what they thought they were doing. And yeah. Slumdog, which is like, you know, that's like a crash. That's like a movie that, you're, looking back, it's like, no. It, it is It is fascinating how much I am dreading rewatching that movie. Interesting. Be, I'm very, I think I'm going to come back around on that one. I might, was kind of down on it at the time. I, I wonder... I, mean, I didn't hate it, but I was kind of yeah. like, why is this winning Best Picture? Now I feel like I'm going to watch it and be like, you know what, this kind of fucking rules. We'll talk about I saw it. I saw it opening weekend, limited release, and I was just like, this thing is unbelievable. Yeah. And oh, then yeah, I yeah. saw it like three months later in theaters when it was about to win the Oscar. And the second time in theaters, it immediately didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Like I already saw through it and I have not watched it again since then. I have a hard time imagining that there isn't racist aspects to the movie, just at least through the lens. And also that it's like, who wants like, to whatever, it doesn't matter because yeah. that's a million movies away. But yeah, we'll I look, I look forward to what y'all y'all's conclusion. But one of those are. things where you're like, oh, it's very cool that Danny Boyle won Best Picture and Best Director and has Oscars. Totally. And, but He's it's great. In retrospect, you're like, for that movie is kind of weird. The beach. I love the beach. I love um, the beach. Hell yeah. So do I. Um okay. Okay. This film's distribution. Mm-hmm. Um there are different cuts. For England and America. Okay. How different those cups are is disputed. Um, British distribution handled by Polygram. American distribution obviously handled by Miramax. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miramax bought it before they'd seen it. Uh, just I think they were like, well, this is going to be Sounds cool. like money. Sure. And uh, they were apparently immediately afraid of the Scottish accents being Wants too off-putting. I think they wanted subtitles, maybe. I Selective read, dubbing, I, I also heard, to, yeah. to convert some of the accents and slang. That's the Morgan Boyle Freeman. said yeah. there's this great story that the Weinsteins decided to have the film revoiced and that everywhere else it was dubbed into American, but we never found any evidence of that. No. Um, but the American version of the movie, apparently they did like redo their lines a little bit to make okay. it more normal this is according to you and mcgregor i don't know it's weird that no one seems to actually know the story on this yes mm-hmm. whatever the mpaa i think may be considered giving it an nc-17 mm-hmm. think of the children uh so apparently in the american original american cut now whatever i'm watching it on fucking stars i'm seeing you and mcgregor's dick yeah but uh maybe they like sort of like cut a couple frames there okay mm-hmm. a couple inches yeah they just made it smaller mm-hmm uh, Danny Boyle said he loves the condom moment. Condoms are part of modern life. I usually aren't able to film them. Uh-huh. Uh, putting you in a silhouette and showing him pulling off the condom his, off his cock was great. He's got quite a big cock and he's not shy in that regard. Well, Go off. Could never say that today. Um, about your actor. The film opens February 23rd, 1996 uh, in Britain uh-huh. and is a huge hit. Yes. I almost tried to find the British box office because wow. I thought it'd be fun, but I couldn't. Yeah, you couldn't do it. 
I would need to like buy like an old copy of Screen International or something. Well, I can tell you for the rest of the it would be that BFI list you mentioned. I thought about it. Yeah. It'd be the same 10. I can tell you J- Jumanji was the number one film in Britain. I can tell okay. you that. Okay. I found that out. Okay. So people are mostly enjoying Jumanji. Um, but by the but time... But spotting grew. It went up, right? Much over like weeks. Hugh McGregor's penis. <laughs> um, by the time it Whip opens off. Yeah. in America, so it uh-huh. opens in America in July, yeah. it had made $18 million in Britain, which right. is a lot of money. Today, that would be a lot of money. That's mm-hmm. a huge amount of money for an 18-rated drug movie. Yeah. I think at the time, it was one... One of the highest grossing British made films in That's England. British made, it's possible, yes. Yeah. Uh, this is, and I wanted JJ to dig this up, so I'm glad about it. Like Barry Norman, because I was like, I like, can you find me reviews of like sort of the old fuddy duddies? Like yes. Barry Norman, the king old fuddy duddy when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. He saw a clip and condemned it in his show. He thought it was outrageous. The film was even coming out. Then Muriel Gray writes this article. He in reviewed the, the clip. He had not seen the movie. Uh, I think what the Boyle says, like, I don't know. That's that's a Boyle quote. Okay. I don't know. Uh, but Barry Nor- Norman hosted film. Sure. It was literally called film. Uh-huh. It was the BBC show, and he was like this guy in a chair with gray hair, and he'd yeah. be like, hello, here are the new films. I'm I, it stinks. I don't. <laughs> kind of that vibe. Yeah. And I remember he quit in 2002. He retired. Okay. And in his retirement statement, he was like, fucking Ang Lee's making a Hulk movie. I'm done. Uh-huh. Like truly, he was like, that was the last straw for me. Wow. This guy's making a movie about the Hulk. And that was 2002. Yeah. And he also didn't know that was gonna be the, <laughs> the best most artistic, artistic superhero. Movie. The, great, the greatest film of all time. Yeah. Um, but Muriel Gray wrote an article in the Evening Standard saying this is an important film. Uh-huh. And in Danny Boyle's view, that was when it was suddenly like, okay, the chattering classes started turning in our direction. Wow. Like before then, the vibe was like, can you even make a movie like this? Mm. And she was the one who sort of like got people. Wow. Uh, engaging with it seriously. And uh, Jarvis Cocker, mm-hmm. uh, the lead singer of Pulp Who Rules, also was like giving interviews where he was like, this is a really interesting film. It's not like some pro-drug movie that's yeah. like, you know, going to ruin society. Right. Bob Dole, as we pointed out, did not like it. I watched some Charlie Rose thing with like John Hodge and Andrew McDonald and um, Danny Boyle. And it, Charlie Rose was like, definitely in that Barbara Walters way. It was like setting up like, and do you think it's okay for movies yeah. to show drugs? Like it was like, Obviously, their American press tour had this sort of yes. like, we're going to set it up, set up the controversy, set yeah. up the, make it seem like we disagree with it just so you can defend it. This isn't the kind of thing you should be showing kids in movies. It's not like toweling off in front of your assistant, a thing that's comfortable for everybody. He's like fully blackout as he's talking about. Drugs are bad. <laughs> Obviously, all the controversy is also in their favor. You know, yes. The more controversy yes. you're getting, like, oh, should this even be a movie? People yeah. are like, well, now yeah. I want to see it. Yeah. I want to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, there's that cool Empire Magazine uh, review. Hollywood, come in. Your time is up. You uh-huh. know, like, come on. Like, that's the vibe. Where's that? There's that great Empire review quote that's like, we should double down on how proud we are about this movie. Basically, let me find it. Uh, yes if Brits can make something Britain can be proud of and Hollywood must be afraid of if we Brits can make movies this good about subjects this horrific what chance does Tinseltown have I mean the other good line from that uh, uh, review is Trainspotting doesn't glorify heroin it glorifies youth 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 that it's worse mostly but youth Mm -hmm. trying to sort out things as only youth can that's why it's universal Uh, absolutely no I think it was Miramax Um, sorry oh my god God. Ebert only gave it three stars coward even still, that probably was him kind of putting his neck out on the line. Maybe. I mean, he basically, Ebert's review is basically like, this is very stylish. I'm not sure it has anything to say. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I read that, that review. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's positive. But this movie's performance at the U.S. box office, David. Let's oh. talk about that. Yes. Um, I also want to point out this movie, the, the book Junk by Melvin Burgess. Has everyone read that? Anyone read that? No. It's a young adult book about heroin use. Okay. That I also came out in 96 mm-hmm. that I read. Indelible mm-hmm. for me. Shout out Melvin Burgess. Okay. Number one. So this movie opens in America in, in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, July 19th. Sully would be proud. They Limit, did it. You know, but huge yeah. per screen average. Uh-huh. Eight screens. It's... um. You they know, planned it to come out 14 days after my birthday. <laughs> That's what they wanted. Yeah. They thought about it. Yeah. Ninth birthday. Give them two weeks to process before. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think is number one at the box office? In its third week, it has made $200 million total. Independence Day? That's right. Mm-hmm. July 96, baby. Yeah. Was that big in the UK? Independence Day? They don't have that. It sure was. Yeah. I saw it at the screen on the green with my dad. I was 10. But it's Guy and- Fawkes Day there. That's no, that's, that's in fucking November. All right, yes, yes. The no. ship blows up a mask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad had already seen it. Yeah. I remember that. And so he warned me during the autopsy scene. He was like, this is going to get intense. He was like, this that. rules too hard. I'm warning you. <laughs> <laughs> this thing fucking slaps. It owns bones. Number <laughs> two. David's. At the box office, Griffin. <laughs> yeah. Is a huge hit film. Okay. Summer 96, a huge hit film. Major movie star. Uh-huh. Part of his comeback. Mission Impossible? No, comeback, comeback, comeback. But Bruce? it's one of those movies that's absolutely insane that this movie made $104 million. Is domestic. it a Bruce movie? No. Comeback. Travolta. Okay, 96. Michael. 104. Close to Michael? Oh, the other one, Phenomenon. It's Phenomenon? Yeah. Wow. And it's only made 60 in three weeks. So it's, yeah. got, it's got such crazy legs. I know. Total top. It's even that good. Nah, yeah. And yeah. sandwich with a little bit of mustard. Number three at the box office mm-hmm. is a war drama. Crazy that this was a summer movie. Mm. I guess it's a movie star movie. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a forgotten movie. 96 war but drama. But it was a forgotten it, it movie. was a hit. Like, it was a hit. What did it end up at? It made 59 domestic, 100 worldwide. Okay. It's two big movie stars. Mm-hmm. It's got a famous perform, not famous, but somewhat notorious performance from a young emerging star. Oh, it's Courage Under Fire. Courage Under Fire. Never seen it. Denzel I, and you know, Ryan. I almost invoked it earlier in this Edward episode. Edward Zwick film. You're saying like, well, Ewan looks so hot. He's just skinny, whatever. It's like, no, but he didn't lose weight and end up looking like Damon. Damon's a great example mm. of him in that movie. He looks scary. Right, right, right. I see that. Yeah. And then they had the TV spinoff, Grace Under Fire. Yes. Exactly. They were closely related, actually. Yeah. Number four at the box office. Oh, comedy. <laughs> uh, Dumb and Dumber. No, but... Carrie? No, but, you know, like kind of stupid, but Dumb. also brilliant. Hmm. Uh, it's a remake. Stupid, but brilliant. Remake. Major it's, star. It's a remake. A remake of an American film or a foreign yes. film? Oh. Remake of an American film with a major star. It's stupid, but maybe brilliant. Huh. 96. Is it The Nutty Professor? That's right. Mm. Okay. Good job. Thank you. Nutty Professor, which in a month has made 93 million on the way to 128. Again, a, a real comeback for Eddie. He was after, like, that was like after two or three flops yes, in a row. That's his big comeback. Yeah. And he wins the uh, New York, no, the National Society of Film Critics Best Actor Award. I always think yeah. about that. Cool. He, cool. That, he really <laughs> should have. Did Oscar nominated? Yeah. yeah. Um, who do I have him? You should. If you don't, you're lying Thank to yourself. Violet. It's a tough year. Yeah, I do have him. For okay. what? The Nutty Professor. Oh, on my list. David, oh, oh, oh. David has a spreadsheet for every year what he would nominate in every oh, category. That's good. That'll be useful. And then. it's updated constantly. 
Tom, wait. Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire. Uh-huh. William H. Macy for Fargo. Good placement. Yeah, he's the lead. No, right? I know. Him the Francis. Oscars got it wrong. They did. They did nominate him, though. though so. mm-hmm. For the hat, but put him where you belong. Eddie Murphy, Muddy Professor. Uh-huh. Philip Baker Hall, Hard Eight. Okay, wow. And Ewan McGregor, Trainspotting. Yeah, the good five. That's, yeah. Harrelson is the cut there. And I hmm. do love that performance. Or, People versus Larry Flint. Uh-huh. I do love that performance. I love that Oscar nomination. And you've self-identified before as a slut for Woody? I do. I love him. I fucking yeah. love Slav. He's I on love these, sluts. There's no, a, I love Woody. He's on these billboards in LA, like him as like a Twinkie, like 15 year old. And like, it's for some like cannabis store. Oh, oh, it's not a movie. That's not a high concept. No, it, but they, I think he own, partly, it's called like something like get high isn't the word. I don't know. But it's that. like airbrushed to death. It, it, no, it's truly just this picture of him oh, being like a hot a 14 year old. And I Jeez. posted it being like, what is this? And everyone was like, that's Woody Harrelson. <laughs> what a weird guy. Yeah, what a weird guy. Number yeah. five at the box office is the movie that the, the, we may do this box office again one day. It's new this week. It's a horror film, it's a flop. Um, is it The Frighteners? It's The Frighteners. Wow, yeah. that was fast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I love that movie, and I also just know what a notorious uh, uh, bungling of a release that was in terms of putting that movie out in the middle of July and it bombing really hard. Um, 100%. It was a thing where it was like supposed to be Halloween, and then they were so happy with how it turned right, they out. They moved it to the summer. It's like, why? They moved it to the summer and like made that decision a month before it was going to come out, and they didn't have time to basically advertise it. And they were just so bullish the thing was going to hit. Very strange because it's not an easy sell or no, title. No, it's a complicated. We got to do Jackson, and it's it's Michael J. Fox, but in a very a role unlike what he'd done before. And then they end up on this poster image where his face isn't on the poster. Like the poster image, I think is striking in and of itself, but does not sell that movie at all. Uh, yeah, I agree. Have you ever seen that movie, Ben? No, you'd like so it. Okay. You'll you will like it when we do Peter Jackson. Now. The other thing that I want to know. It's like the last Michael J. Fox vehicle in movies. He basically, he goes to Spin City after that. And then, yeah. But it's like, so you got that top four. They're all holdovers. Okay. And then Frighteners is new. And then there's three other new movies, six, seven, eight. Fled. Okay. Remember Fled? Absolutely do Stephen not remember Stephen Baldwin Fled. and Lawrence uh, Fishburne are chained together wow. and on the run. Do not remember that. It's kind of like an action comedy. It's okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, in my memory. Mm. Uh, Multiplicity, oh. which is a real bomb. Yeah, wild Opening number how hard seven. that movie bombed. I'm sure Ben's seen Multiplicity. Of course, it's funny. Yeah, it rolls. He makes uh, too many of himself. Yeah. And they get dumb. But also the movie solves the problem that, uh, the mistake that most movies make. Not enough Michael Keaton. Even the movies starring Michael Keaton don't have enough Michael Keaton. And the movies without Michael Keaton, uh, failure to launch. Multiplicity finally is like, you want like four or five of this guy? Kicking around. Um, and then number eight, mm-hmm. Kazam. Jack Shaquille O'Neal's opening? Kazam opening. So this is like bombs ahoy I mean, this week. Seriously. You have three big but movie star movies. But it's like in movies. the middle of a, a hot Hollywood yes. summer. Yeah. Things are going great. It's yeah. just like, they're like, you love Independence Day. Would you love to see Kazam? And people are like, I'll just see Independence Day again. Thank you very much. Kazam, one of the few movies my mother made us walk out of. On grounds of uh, artistic disgust. <laughs> just, I, I will not. I don't know if I've by. actually ever seen it. I've, I've definitely seen, seen Multiplicity. But He's a genie. He's a genie who lives in a boombox. Right. Cool. Yeah. Sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah. And it was directed by Paul Michael Glazer. It was. Uh, you've also got The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I invoked. Yeah, good movie. Uh, number nine. And Eraser. Uh-huh. Arnold Schwarzenegger hit. Oh, yeah. Sure. I like um, Eraser is fun, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, what's his name? Chuck Russell movie. Right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Vanessa Williams. Uh, also, Harriet the Spy. 
I mean, a little, a little boring. Masterpiece. I felt I found it boring. Harriet? I found it boring. Harriet's I never so I never got it. I rewatched it recently. So fucking well directed. Train spotting goes on to make sixteen million dollars domestically over a long run. Uh-huh. Uh makes uh seventy million plus worldwide. Um and uh gets an Oscar nomination. Yeah. And Danny, Danny Boyle is off to the races. I was gonna say the same thing, David. I was gonna phrase it the same way. What do you think y'all's like thesis statement about Danny Boyle is gonna be? You gotta find it on the way. Choose life. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, I, guess I don't it know is. either. But yeah. I mean, like, to me, the whole thing with him is like he is fearless. Yeah. Not in a way of like he's hanging off of helicopters, but in the sort of way of like I don't know. I'll try anything. Like yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna just like stick to projects that make sense. Quote, make sense for me. Yeah. Like something like Slumdog Millionaire, especially, is something where you're like, Danny, what? No. Yes. And he's yeah. like, eh, I kind of have a good vibe. And it's like, well, I'll take my best picture trophy. Thank you very much. You know, I also, 127 I could, hours too is that way. Yeah. I want to get to this point of like, you know, I don't know if we, we can, we'll reach any greater understanding, but like, it is such a condemnation of the state of the film industry right now that Danny Bull essentially can't get movies made. Yep. And like his last two movies were Train Spotting yesterday, and Train Spotting is him being like, okay, Just all right, I'm finally doing, right. I'm doing T yeah, two, yeah. and it like no one notices it, everyone, it, no one realizes that actually happened after yeah. like 15 years of fans demanding they it's make part that of movie. it was part of the COVID haze too. Yeah. It feels yeah, but it but it was 2016. That's what's wild. no really yes. no not 16 when 17 maybe oh I okay this is fully what's wild. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, I got COVID 2017. in 2017. Yeah, you get you were you were patient zero. Yeah, uh, but then I yesterday, held, held I remember seeing yesterday and saying to you, David, like, why the fuck Danny Ball make this? And you were like, because he wants to make a movie, and what else is getting made? And it was like, oh, it's like. Uh, Richard Curtis and Beatles as a franchise gets yeah. Danny Boyle a green light, and that's after he's left Bond. Mm-hmm. He almost does Bond. And it was him being like, fuck it, I'll finally do a franchise movie. Mm-hmm. He gets fired from that movie for like refusing to compromise his radical ideas about the franchise. And now he mostly just makes FX series. Right. Yeah, which is what the I Make a movie, buddy. The Pistols yeah. one was okay. I watched that. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was train spotting like fan fiction. It looked like mm-hmm. it was like and it's I will just say, lots of camera movement. It's yeah, really, yeah. really just big and loud. It's a bummer that that guy can't in perpetuity get $20 million a year to make whatever he wants. It's a crazy time. He I will say cheap. He's not an expensive agree. guy. I like, no, and I he liked knows yesterday. what he's doing. Yeah. yeah, I actually liked yesterday. I feel like a lot of people don't, but... You threw out that you... I love yesterday it. Was I actually, Your two I had picks l- were, were l- you l- said train spotting or yesterday when I asked Or the you. beach. I love the beach. Sure. I love the beach. But yesterday... You I will say we have, have me back. <laughs> we have a pro yesterday guest lined up for yesterday. Okay. David and I are not yesterday fans, but we have booked someone who is ready to really go to the mat for yesterday. Well, let them know I'm single. I will. I, will. I only saw it once. Maybe I'll like it more the second Maybe time. We'll love I was it, like though. tired. I think it's a plane movie. It's a great. It's a great plane. I kind of wish I'd seen sense. it on a plane because I saw I it like it on the Tribeca premiere. Be. Yeah, and I was like tired, and I was like, eh, for fuck's sake! But I was so in the bag for it. Like the trailer, I was like, oh, I'm gonna. This is gonna be my kind of cheese. Like this is. Good. I want a good cheese. It made right. it made yeah. choices that I it, I saw it on a good day, and it made choices that I wasn't expecting. It, it certainly make. makes choices. And I and I was it one of the choices. I cried. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. We can talk about it. We'll talk off about mic. it. Yeah. But I do think movies are going to come back. 
I hope so. I think that all yeah. these streaming platforms are going to collapse. Oh, 100%. Everything's as happening before our eyes. It's happening. We're going to yeah. enter Enough. World War III. The, yes. To me, honestly, I know this sounds crazy, but it's yeah. the JPEG thing where I was like, there's actually some internal awareness, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's other stuff going on there. But anyway, we don't need to the talk about The thing I want is just, you know, there, it, the, New Hollywood happens because people started supporting those movies financially, right? Yeah. It wasn't like studios suddenly just wanted to speak to the youth movement. Mm-hmm. It was because those people were showing up and supporting those films. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, if we could just get like three or four Everything Everywhere All at Once is a year. Yeah. That's enough encouragement for people to keep making these movies. We can do it. We can do it. My, the thing that drives me crazy is it's been a good year for Hollywood. And then it had a weird November where people didn't want to see Armageddon Time and Tar. And right. everyone was like, it's over. All the Oscar movies, it's been, it's been a rough go. Tar like, feels like, like a Euro, the, European movie the to me. least commercial movies. Possible. Totally, totally. And then the minute the whale started doing well, I was like, guess what? People want to see that. Let's, yeah, see, yeah. let's see how the whale does upon expansion. It doesn't need to do that. I'm just saying, yeah. like, where people are like, why is the whale doing well? I'm like, because you can... S- Sell that movie to somebody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a there's a different argument to be had over like, should we be making movies that's like, look well, at this. The sale you on know. the whale is just come on, you're rooting for Brendan Fraser, there's right? That, like it's, but right. it's also telling. like, don't you want to see what this looks like? because mm-hmm. the trailer has like two shots of him. They only ever release that one fucking image they reuse everywhere. <laughs> I saw I saw it this weekend and a couple walked out of the theater. Did you like it? I did not. Have you seen it? No. I don't like it at all. Yeah, I'm scared. I think I'm Probably not. Gonna. Can I give you my joke uh, review? Thar, it blows. It's good. Thank you. He's happy with this. <laughs> I'm he's happy he's done been, this on multiple group chats. I've, David's now had to read this four times. It's up on Letterboxd. There's been good Throw movies, though. Like. There's been good movies there this are, year. I don't like Really that good one. movies. There's a lot of films I like. We had Triangle Sadness. We had Tar. We had Fablemans. We had, we had good movies. Fablemans, baby. Charles? Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, always a pleasure. Yeah, favorite podcast. My hey, favorite come podcast. on, get out of here. Oh, thank you. I mean, Shut that's the true. fuck up. I will say, David, the, the the slice and change I ate of this deep dish Little Caesars felt like I fucking ate Narcan. I've been, like, <laughs> this is heavy. I don't know how you did it. I don't know. I'm gonna. F- I mean, I'm, when this is done, I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle the rest of this and take a nap on the blank check couch. Um, Charles. Speaking of uh, everything we're talking around right now, Mm. people should watch Search Party on HBO Max, a service that is famous for keeping things up there forever. I am scared, you guys. I think, you know, let's hope for the best. Let's hope it makes it through whatever rounds are happening. But if for for whatever reason you haven't watched it yet, you fool. Yeah. Time might be of the essence. We know nothing. Don't jinx it. Buy it on iTunes. You can always buy it on iTunes. Buy it on iTunes. Physical release? Um, there's nev no, there's been no plan. Well, uh, I think I don't know. I got to Well, I don't know. Maybe I have no idea. One? Okay. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Watch it. Watch it while you can. Watch it. Yeah. One of the great shows. You're one of the great people. Thank you. Uh, look forward to having you on again. Thank you. I look forward to doing yesterday with that other person. Yeah. I'll tell you who it is. A good person. I'm not long overdue on the show. Uh, David, once again, given the poncha. Listen. Cross. No, I don't know. Thank you all for listening. Ringo Starr. Yes. Long peace overdue. And love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace I guess love. I'll set it out. Ringo Starr, huge blankie. Uh, What's this movie about, mate? Yeah. It's about peace and love. He thinks it's actually John. <laughs> oh, there he is. He hasn't returned my calls in decades. Um, 
Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media and helping to produce the show. Thank you to Joe Bowen, Pat Rounds for our artwork, Lane Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song, uh, Alex Barron, AJ McKeon for our editing, JJ Birch for our research. You can go to blankcheckpod.com for links to some real nerdy shit, including Blank Check special features, our Patreon, where, what, this episode's coming out... End of January, so we'll, we'll still be doing the uh, Katsi trilogy on Patreon. I hope I'm alive. Uh, don't we all? Nako, na, na, Nakoi Katsi. That's coming up. Coming up. That's coming up. Pure vibes. Ben's going to eat CBD dog bones on mic. Crunch, crunch. Crunch, crunch. Uh, tune in next week for A Life Less Ordinary. And as always, I can't wait to finish this little pizza. This little pizza, pizza. <laughs>